Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. All of us at Epcot Center are glad to have you as our guests today. We welcome you and hope you find your day with us to be a most enjoyable one. Welcome aboard, TTA travelers. Whether you're a humanoid, a robot, or an alien passenger, we hope you enjoy your trip along Tomorrowland Transit Authority's Super Skyway. We have dedicated this happy place to the ideals, the dreams, and the hard facts that have created America. Everybody and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World Information Station. I'm your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 255 for the week of January 1st, 2012. So let me first and foremost say, Happy New Year. As the new year is upon us, join us on the roundtable and look back with us at the year in Disney 2011 as we recap and reflect on New additions, announcements, changes, and losses. We'll also look ahead to what's coming to Walt Disney World, other Disney parks, the Disney Cruise Line, and beyond. I'll also look back at the year, both personally and at WDW Radio, and tell you what's in store for the show and site, including new events, upcoming projects, and more. I'll then have just a couple of announcements, and then play more of your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back... Relax and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. It's hard to believe another year has come and gone, and it has been an incredible adventure and journey, both personally and as a Disney enthusiast. And as in life, this past year, there were many ups and even a few downs. There were some additions and some losses, but all in all, it was a very exciting year to be a Disney fan. We received numerous enhancements, updates, and surprises, and shared in some amazing events from coast to coast, to coast. Some big, some small, some we never saw coming, but as I said, it has been quite a journey. So let's take a look back at the year in 2011 as Disney fans and peek ahead to 2012 as we recap the year in Disney. And joining me this week are some friends who've shared in that journey with me, both in a personal capacity as well as Disney fans. First, because it's always ladies first, is Becky Mankin, owner of MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. Becky, welcome back. Well, thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to this show because 2011 is such a blur. I kind of need to be reminded of what we just did. It seems just like yesterday that we were together here in Walt Disney World. I know. Because it practically was. Yeah. Also joining us on the virtual roundtable is Tony Caggiano. You may remember him from the 40-hour show, the ABD, the D23 Expo, and of course, 
the WW Radio Cruise back in February. Tony, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to be back. And on the non-virtual roundtable, joining me in studio is Scott Otis from Otisburg. Hello, thank you. Thanks for having me. Guys, thank you uh, again for joining me tonight. It is great to have you back again. And I wanted you guys to be here because I asked a lot of other people. They all said no, so you were the only people available on a Friday night. (laughs) But really, you were very much an integral part of my year in 2011 and you know, experiencing along with us as, as Disney fans, we experience a lot of this together. And I want to ask you first, I want to sort of start off by asking you to think back to 2011 and put it into a single word. Look back at 2011 and sort of encapsulate 2011 as a Disney fan in a single word. And Scott, since you're sitting here, I'm going to put you on the spot first. I would say the future. That's two words, but I'm going to, I'm going to give you the as future. a freebie. Future. Tony, what about you? Just fun. Fun. And yeah, Becky Mankin, how would you sort of describe 2011 in a single word? Excitement. Interesting. Interesting. So what I thought we would do, because there was a lot going on. You know, when, when I asked people to look back on 2011, they definitely sort of pinpoint a couple of major announcements and major events. But I wanted to kind of recap a little bit what was going on. I thought we would take it in a bit of chronological order from some of the big things that took place to some of the events to a few of the announcements that we got along the way as well. Maybe also refreshing some of your memories uh, about some things that you may have forgotten that took place in the past year. Uh, Whenever I think of January in Walt Disney World, Marathon Weekend is always the first thing that comes to mind. It has really grown and become more of an endurance event for runners. It's become more of a social event for the people that come down either to participate and everything from the family fun runs to the 5Ks to the half to the full to the goofy to the dopey and or are there maybe to cheer for them. Every year we have our annual meet of the month during Marathon Weekend. And once again, this, this year's Marathon Weekend was bigger and better. Becky, I know you are always down there with me, not running because I think we do no. more good on the opposite side of uh, of the uh, of the course. Yeah, we, but by yeah, we stay on. out of everybody's way that way. Yeah, except <laughs> when I'm running backwards with the video camera by the UK, I try and right. stay out of their way as much as possible. But yeah, I mean, this is something that it's funny how this event has become so much more than a sport event. Oh yeah, the, the cheering alone. I I've been lucky enough to be down there for a few of the the races that have uh, gone on, especially the marathon. But I got to say that this this past January was the first time I had ever done the get up at three thirty in the morning with all of the runners, make sure that we're in line and on Main Street for the first time. It was also my very first breakfast on a trash can. I have to say that was uh, it was one of the the most exciting elements. Nobody of, treats of you better than I do. I know. Corn dogs uh, on a trash can at Disneyland, breakfast on a trash can at five o'clock in the morning in the Magic Kingdom. I'm a true yeah. romantic. What can I tell you? Right. And so, but Marathon, I have to say for people who, who for whatever reason don't like to run or cannot run in the marathons, going and being a part of everything is really exciting. And to be on the sidelines and to cheer for people and to yell out their names when you see their names, it really is something that gives back to you. So I, I got to say that, that whole cheering experience is pretty cool. Now, Scott, you're, you're down here like with me all the time. So That's going right. to Marathon Weekend is something that, that we do. It's just, you know, because we're low. But Tony... Being so far away, being up in New York, is Marathon Weekend ever something that, that's on your radar or something that you like to come to or wish you could try and get to as often as possible? Yeah, definitely. I wasn't able to make it down this year, but 
you know, my wife does run. Um, she's excited to go and do the half marathon. Eventually we keep talking about it, but it's just, it was a great time. It was always, there's always a lot of friends there and it's amazing how the parks during that time, my trips during marathon, have always, the parks have become secondary to just really spending good time with a lot of great friends. Yeah. And there were a couple of other additions that we got in January of 2011. You may not realize that it was almost a year ago that Disney's wild Africa trek debuted over at Disney's Animal Kingdom. And I had a chance to participate in that very early on. Uh, I did a, a newscast and I did a podcast and a video about it. And I was really impressed by that add-on experience. Um, it is a hard ticket, <clears throat> excuse me, add-on uh, for guests, I believe, that are 16, or I'm sorry, nine years of age uh, or older. But it is very much sort of an, an immersive storytelling experience that you can easily buy into that you are no longer within the confines of Disney's Animal Kingdom. And I think beyond just what it represents as far as something additional over at Disney's Animal Kingdom or like a backstage tour, it may be starting to lead to more of these types of experiences. Uh, have you got, Have any of you done Africa Trek as yet? I have not done that. I have seen the the remnants of it with the bridges and and the the outcroppings out there in the in the savanna. So it definitely looks like something I'd definitely like to try. Becky or Tony, uh, have you, is that something that's sort of on your radar that you would love to to try and do? On the surface, it sounds like something I would love to try. It's going to take a little bit to walk over a whole bunch of hungry crocodiles. I gotta say, it's a little. It's I'm a little timid about that. <laughs> No, I'm I'm really excited to do it. It's high on our radar. We're um, we're hoping to do it when the kids, our children, get a little bit older. When they're able to do it, we really like to give that a try. Yeah, and and it's you know it's definitely a, a higher ticket item. It, the, the price does change depending on the season. It can go as high as about one hundred eighty nine dollars. So it is probably not something that maybe every family of five can do. But it's definitely something if you're looking to do an add on. I look at it as something that you know a husband and wife or a couple can do together. A father and son uh, is, is a great kind of thing or something even that maybe you want to give as a present to your dad, your son, your wife, whatever it might be. Right. I was really excited to see that they had opened up something new and different like that. And like you said, it's, uh, it's a great to kind of look out the window of what might be coming. Becky, you and I will have lunch at, at Tusker House on a trash can and then we'll go to Wild Africa Trek. How's that? I knew I could count on you for another meal on a trash can. I will I will help dangle you over the uh, the man-eating crocodiles. I bet you would. <laughs> <laughs> uh, something else that debuted in January, again, it doesn't seem like it was so far back, but was the Magic Memories in You over at uh, the Magic Kingdom in... Uh, it, on Cinderella Castle, and I'm going to admit that when I first heard about this, the idea of sort of a projection on the castle, I kind of was a little hesitant to say, I need to sort of see it first, because the first thing that came to my mind was sitting in grammar school, and the AV guy comes in and does a little slideshow <laughs> in front of the castle, <laughs> but I specifically, like I do with all these things, whether it's World of Color or a new show or attraction, I didn't watch anything online I didn't read anything. I didn't see anything on YouTube. I wanted to see it in person. And I can tell you that I was pleasantly surprised and blown away by what I saw. Um, 
Scott, tell me like the first time your, your, your thoughts about when you heard about Magic Memories and you and then what you felt when you saw it. Right. When I, when I first heard about it, I, just like you, I thought, you know, what, how are they going to be able just to project um, images onto the castle? Would that even look good? And it seems as though they were stressing the, the fact that they were going to project uh, guests photos on there that they were taking through photo pass throughout the day and that they were really stressing that but to me it was all the other uh, images that they were able to put on there were just absolutely amazing I don't know how they've done that but it is truly spectacular how, how they do that yeah I, I think that you're right. I think there's a, a dual element to it is that if you are a guest in the Magic Kingdom that day uh, a photo there's a chance that a photo pass photographer unbeknownst to you may be taking a picture of your daughter hugging a princess or Becky eating on a trash can, whatever it might be, <laughs> and it gets projected on the castle. And so being able to see that is an awesome, surprising takeaway. But beyond that, even if it's not your own image, again, what they project on there, the story that's told and the uh, attractions and the films and the music that are tied into it. Uh, Becky or Tony, you guys, the same thing first time you saw it? Yeah, I. Um, this is one of those things where it's a class example for me of you hear people hear something new coming in. There's always naysayers saying, oh, they're going to ruin the castle. They shouldn't be doing that. And then when I got there and I saw it, I was I was blown away. It was very emotional. I can teary eyed sitting there with my boys watching it. And that's it was another another thing that just taught me to wait to to cast my own opinion instead of jumping in, seeing I've always been happy with what Disney's done so far. I can't say much bad about what they've done for the most part. And I'm just always excited to see new things now because of that. So, and I'm, I'm going to sort of foreshadow something we're going to talk about. Are you the kind of person that when you hear about something that's announced, do you sort of have this inherent trust in Disney saying, you know, they've been doing it pretty well for the past 40 years in Walt Disney World, even longer in Disneyland, or do you take more of a, a kind of wait and see attitude about things? I don't know. I'm excited about most things. When I hear something, I'm always excited when I hear something new is coming at this point. Because, like I said, their their track record is good it's with me anyway. There's, to be honest with you, except for I'm not a huge fan of the Stitch show because I miss. <laughs> yeah, well, we talked about it, and I I do miss the Alien Encounter, but I understand there are little kids that were terrified by the Alien Encounter. I've been party to that more than once, and so aside from that one example, I've really been, I've really been very happy with what they've done. I'm ex when I hear something new's coming, I'm excited to see what the Imagineers are bringing out and what's come out of their imagination. And so Becky, I'm going to point to you for the next thing that took place in January, because it's something that we were fortunate enough to experience together and something we were looking forward to a very long time for a variety of reasons. And that was the christening of the Disney dream, having bid on the magic and the wonder in the past. Um, again, before I went on a Disney cruise, I wondered how they were able to sort of capture whatever it is that magic that takes place in Walt Disney World and put it on a ship. They do it incredibly on those classic ships, but the Disney dream was something like I have never seen before. And I know the two of us, uh, as we walked in practically arm in arm into that atrium for the first time, were blown away by what we saw. Oh, that was just incredible from, I mean, to just start with the christening itself. Remember when they had the helicopter that flew the huge giant champagne bottle into the side of the ship to officially christen her. Um, it, it was amazing to me how oddly familiar the ship is, how, how big it is, how much 
wonderful technology they brought on board, a lot of the new innovations, a lot of uh, the, the new eating establishments and, and the adult sections and all the other stuff that uh, they brought on board with the dream. But yet it still has that flavor and the um, the character that the older ships have, not older, but you know, the other ships have on board. So it really was um, a fascinating time to get to know the Disney dream. And of course, looking forward to the fantasy, I'm hoping for, for more good things there. Yeah, I think it was uh, a, a leap forward technology-wise, um, certainly size-wise, um, in, in what they were able to do and what they're able to sort of bring on the ship. And again, even I think even more so, it's not Disney. We always say this all the time. Disney World is certainly not just for kids. Certainly, the Disney Cruise Line uh, not for kids, not just for kids as well. We saw a lot of people on board that cruise and subsequent cruises who were going as couples the adults going mm-hmm. solo um, and I think that's what what the Disney Cruise Line and some of the new ships really afford for them as well right and when they've added things like can I just say it Remy when you add a, a eating establishment like Remy which is an adults um, uh, restaurant that has such an upscale feel and a cheese cart that goes on forever <laughs> um, I, I know that they're targeting uh, so many different facets, like you said, the families and the honeymooners and the couples, and there's something for everybody on board the ship. Yeah, and you know, February not only brought us some additions, it brought us some uh, some losses as well, and we'll we'll touch on that later on. Uh, March was not a very big month news-wise, but in April, staying with the Disney Cruise Line, they also made another announcement. They announced, announced a number of new itineraries that included New York, Seattle, Galveston, L.A., and Port Canaveral, And I think the important parts of that are places like New York and what that affords to guests, especially who either can't get down to Walt Disney World or as often as they as they would like or who are based in the Northeast. I mean, obviously, a lot of Walt Disney World travelers come from the Northeast. The opportunity and the ability to travel from the port of New York and take a two or three or four day cruise from there uh, really, I think, expands the, the opportunities without having to necessarily come down to the parks for a full week or so. So, wait a minute. Did you just skip all the way into fi- April or March? I skipped into April. What well, did I miss in March? Oh, wait. No, in February. Hello? You missed the WDW oh, radio God, cruise. Oh, God. I did miss the WDW radio yes. cruise. And I have it on my list, and I was just so Dude, excited. seriously. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most significant, most fun, interesting um, things that we've done together, because, of course, we got to learn all about Lou and his Italian boy shorts. See, now, why do you have to go there? <laughs> <laughs> I look at the Disney Dream. I look at our, at the WWE Radio because Cruise and the Disney Dream. Um, as you were moving forward in your brain and everybody was sitting there screaming at their dashboards or whatever they're sorry, looking at. Is sorry. Going, it's on my, Scott, is it not on my list? It is on your list. We all went over. there, too. Um, but yeah, I, I look at the, the, the Cruise and the Disney Dream not in terms of the wonderful, uh, very... Um, moving and humbling roast that you threw for me, but instead <laughs> about getting 500 or so of the WW Radio family together in an event that I had never done something like that on that scale before, and I didn't know how it was going to go, and we all just had such a great time and uh, were able to enjoy the cruise on so many different levels. Obviously, you and your team made all that happen, Becky, so I am you know, certainly grateful for that. But it was a great experience, again, that wasn't about Disney and being on uh, attractions and, and meets and things like that. It's sort of enjoying the entire cruise together. Exactly, yeah. 
it, it was certainly nice to see the new ship, you know, the Disney Dream. But but I've actually cruised many times before, but this was the first time that I've actually, you know, the whole cruise I was just spent hanging out with friends, and that was just a very unique aspect to it, and and certainly the most awesome. Tony, what now, about for you? For me, it, to be honest with you, it might have my wife and I have talked about it many times since we've been on a cruise. It might have been our best vacation as a family ever. I mean, we meeting new people, people that I've met online and just seeing the boat. I can go on forever. There's really nothing about that cruise that wasn't a blast for us. We had such a good time. The ship is incredible. Um, Lots of good friends. We spent a lot of time with people we just love to be with. And there wasn't waiting online and running to rides. It was doing things together as a group and dining together and Everything about it was just I can't I can't say enough good things about the cruise. What an incredible time it was for us. Now, I, I want to set I'm sorry, I, I want to say, set the <laughs> Sorry, I just I want to say something nice, really fast. I'm going to say something nice and sweet and you're going to spoil it. But go ahead. Don't go ahead. I was just going to I want to set the record straight. The roast? I was just a willing accomplice. The person, There's a roast? <laughs> <laughs> the person that spearheaded that and gets all the credit is your wife Deanna Mangello. She's the one that put this thing together and made it uh, incredible. And, of course, Tony did a fantastic job as well, um, giving uh, little hints about you and your childhood, (laughs) apparently. (laughs) But all of that was due to her. So, again, I was a willing accomplice. I'm glad we pulled it off. And I have a feeling that on the next cruise, you're going to be watching me like a hawk. You know, but it was it was I revenge was for locking me out. I was fine with the idea of a roast when Deanna got up and when my brother got up. But when Tony Caggiano walks up with a microphone and a clicker in his hand, I felt like it was the Poseidon adventure. I was hoping the ship was going to go down because no good was going to come from that. Well, uh, you know, hats off and kudos to you for pulling all of those people together and Everybody had a fantastic time. For me, it was great to meet people in person that have been clients for years and those who, that was our first time of, of uh, booking something for them. And it, it was just a fantastic time. And that's all to, you know, you pulling everybody together to, uh, to go together on it. So thank you. Well, I was going to say, yeah. I think the thing about the cruise that I, I was very much, <clears throat> excuse me, an observer as much as I was, you know, part of the group. And what I enjoyed seeing the most, and as we look forward to the next cruise in November, is that people from all different walks of life, from all over the country, from around the world, really, came together, most of whom never had met one another before. Maybe they talked online, maybe there was a name on Twitter, they saw each other in the box one night, but to watch the friendships and the relationships form, whether it's people riding the aqueduct together or sitting at dinner or going to a show or coming to some of the group events that we had, it was really nice to see some lifelong friendships start to develop because of that. And that, I think, is is the goal and what makes going with a group so much fun and so unique as opposed to going, you know, maybe just with your kids because your kids are meet one another and you may meet because your kids are playing together in the Oceaneers Club or because you're sitting together. And watching a lot of these relationships continue on as they sort of follow a lot of these people on Twitter or Facebook or whatever it is, it is very, very rewarding to see. And I think that was my big takeaway from the cruise. And if anybody's ever considered about doing a crew, a group kind of cruise like this or thinking about coming with us again in November, you should never have to hesitate because, well, I don't know anybody. I'm not part of a group. I've never been in the box, whatever it is. Those things form so very easily and so very organically once you're on board. 
Yeah, yeah and to your point, it's it's amazing how many people met on that cruise and now are contacting us saying, and me and Bob are now want to go with our families on the next cruise or they want to now travel together. So, you know, it, it really has pulled pe- people together. It's been wonderful. But I just want to say, the last thing I'll say about the cruise, there is just revenge for being locked out on my own balcony. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. As if you think there won't be revenge for the roast. <laughs> Again. Really? Revenge we'll the dish best served cold. <laughs> Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Anyway, sticking yeah. with the idea of the cruise, and forgive me again for skipping forward uh, over to April. I'm looking at the list because there's a lot that we have to cover. Becky, the one thing I was going to say was it's exciting. Um, of course, now that I live in Florida, they have cruises out of New York. But being able to leave on a cruise from places like New York, Seattle, and Galveston, places you weren't unable to leave from before, really gives families an opportunity that maybe can't take a full week or maybe, you know, dad can't get off work or kids can't get off school and have the cruise experience without having to make the the trip down to Florida. Right. And a lot of people on the West Coast have really wanted to have that Disney cruise experience, especially. And for some reasons, financial reasons, the economy hasn't been all that great for many of us that uh, you can afford the plane tickets for a family of four or five and a cruise. So especially from those drive markets like L.A. and from Seattle coming up next year, that's going to be wonderful for the folks on the on the West Coast. And of course, going out of New York as well. A lot of people have been talking about those sailings going out of New York. Yeah, people very, very excited in the Northeast. Uh, and I've even seen people who have met on our cruise saying, hey, come on, why don't we go take, you know, there's a two-day cruise to nowhere. Uh, and just getting on board ship and sort of having that same kind of experience uh, again on, on one of the classic ships. Yeah, those yeah. are great. Yeah, have, living just outside of uh, New York City, we were, I can't tell you how excited my wife was when she saw that they were leaving from New York because we're lucky in that we get to get down to Disney World a few times a year, but to be able to know you can squeeze in some more of that, you know, that Disney magic, not to sound corny, but to get it in there and not have to fly down and get a room before and after. And it does, I think for a lot of people, it does help with expense, like Becky said. But just just knowing that two hours from now, I can I could take a cab and within an hour and a half, two hours from my home, be on the boat and all ready to go is it's exciting. We're really looking forward to doing that. Well, you know, Scott, we were talking about some of those announcements and, and having trust and faith in the company. But sometimes an announcement is made and it does cause a little bit of fear or trepidation in some people, especially those who are nostalgics. Because when Disney says they are going to make a change or an adjustment to a classic attraction like the Haunted Mansion, sometimes people get a little nervous. <laughs> and when we heard that there were going to be some changes coming to the Haunted Mansion, uh, some enhancements debuting in April both inside and outside, some people were excited, some people were scared, but what we got were some changes to some of the scenes and the technology inside, as well as the addition of the entire new queue outside. Right, it's always touchy when, when you're touching with a, a classic such as the Haunted Mansion. I know, you know a lot of people, it's, it's their absolute favorite, so whenever you mess around with that, there's always trepidation about that. But I, I took a wait and see attitude about that, and uh, what what we got, I thought was uh, great. The the uh, the Q, the Q elements that they added, and also the 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 ghosts at the end were, I thought, classy. It, it was one of those things too that I didn't want to see until I got there. Uh, and I, I keep talking about Disney World in terms of layers of the on- onion, and I think what the Q does 
is it gives you some additional layers of the onion. It's it's if it's first of all it's optional, which is exactly. nice. It doesn't it doesn't make the queue longer. But if you want to go and see some things, if you want to um, dig a little bit deeper and look for some of those tributes to Imagineers and Imagineering, play the interactive game that most people don't even realize exists. Yeah. As soon as you walk in or touch the books, and you know, simple, it's a simple technology, but near the end of the interactive queue, you've got the book that asks you a question and talks to you, I think is brilliant. And I, I again, as an observer, I like to watch guests go through it and see kids from four, five, six years old up to adults just having a blast as they go through. Absolutely. It's definitely a lot of fun and everyone should try it at least one time and or they can go the other way. Now, Tony, uh, you had a chance to see that on one of your recent trips down there. Yeah, I love the 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 additions to the haunted mansion. I'm a longtime fan. That's always been my favorite attraction. And to be honest, when when I heard that they were going to add on to it, I was I was unsure. But I just waited, reserved judgment. Didn't go online to see it. Waited till I was there in person. And I love everything they did. Um, uh, it's just fantastic. They kept with the storyline, actually enhanced the storyline, which is nice. And I think it only added to the experience. I mean, it's just a better experience now. Yeah, I think it, it adds another layer to the storytelling element, especially for those people. And the thing that, that works about it is it does not disrupt the integrity of the attraction itself. They didn't take out the ballroom scene. They didn't start adding Eddie Murphy into the Little Yoda scene, whatever it is. It's something that sort of adds on and complements the story inside. And also, you know, it's also somewhat of a tribute to the guests as well, too, because for for forever and a day, the idea of the wedding ring, the engagement ring being thrown outside has been something that was almost really kind of created from guests themselves. And Disney honors that by putting a little engagement ring out there, too. Also, what's yeah, interesting... I, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Tony. No, go ahead. I was just saying that, you like you were talking about, the additions is... To me, it came across almost as this is what the the Imagineers who came up with the Haunted Mansion, it seems like things they would have loved to have done but didn't have the technology to do at the time. So it's not like they were disgracing the honor, the memory of what those guys did. It was adding on in such a perfect way that it seems like this is technology they didn't have, and now that it's here, let's make it happen. That's the kind of feeling I get from it. Well, and, and for those people who are nostalgics and who do love the classic uh, Haunted Mansion and the story and how it got there, there are many of the Imagineers who worked on it that now are uh, honored in the graveyard. They also went back to some of those original ideas for storylines. So the idea of the sea captain and the one-eyed black cat you can find there. So if you know the early history and you see those nods, you appreciate the details that the the Imagineers put on there because obviously they're fans and they're nostalgics too. Right, yeah. and and what I think is promising is that shortly, you know, after the 2007 update, which was a pretty massive update, that they're actually willing to to go back to it and add even more. I think that's promising to uh, what we could see to other attractions. Yeah, and I think what this is continuing to evidence too is making the queues not only less queue like, but much more interactive. So if there are busier times a year where you choose to in the Haunted Mansion or you have to wait in a queue for a little bit longer than you would like, there's more to do than just stand there and and look around. There are now actually things to do that are specifically relevant to the attraction itself. Right. Yeah, the first time I went in the Haunted Mansion, the 
the extended queue, there was no one in front of me and people behind me. And it's the first time ever. I'm I'm basically shooing people past me, letting them get ahead of me because there just there wasn't a line there. So I took the time to look through the queue and I was just letting people I probably let two hundred people pass me online because I was that excited about the the whole new graveyard edition. Well, because it, it becomes part of the attraction, I think. I, I think these cues aren't specifically... I mean, look at uh, Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. That that queue area that's for children, to them, is part of the ride because it's giving them things to do that are specific to the attraction itself. Oh, definitely. And when we were online with our children this, just this past couple weeks ago, I mean, Jordan and Nick and Marion, they were as excited about the queue as they were about the ride, if not more. They were... You know, your kids couldn't wait to show my son all the little things on the queue. And we were online. We were in the queue for 25 minutes, and there really wasn't a line to warrant that. We could have moved right through if we wanted to. That's because we raise our children right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> on those few occasions that we actually bring them to Walt Disney World, we raise them right. So <laughs> um, moving on to May, speaking about levels of interactivity and taking a classic attraction, enhancing it, plussing it. Star Tours, The Adventures Continue, was very, very high on my radar when they announced that they were going to do that back in 2009. Uh, This is something, as a Disney geek, as a Star Wars geek, a lot of us have been waiting for since Star Tours debuted, you know, decades ago, because this was the idea, was that it was going to be easy to make changes, to make updates because of the technology that was used. And I still stand by my belief that in all the in Walt Disney World's 40 years of updates and upgrades to attractions, I think this is by far the best upgrade of an attraction when you sort of take things to a whole new level like this, not just with the storyline and the 53 different experiences you can get, but the technology, the audio, the video, uh, everything about it from beginning to end was done well. And I think Disney fans, Star Wars fans, purists, kids, adults, everybody seems to have really embraced what they did with Star Tours, and Scott has been not, like, he saw this on my note and was pointing to it very early on. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly with with the queue, the, the addition of 3D, all the new characters, uh, the addition of the new films and the storylines, and the absolutely sharp, crystal clear picture that you get with that. It, everything there has just been a top-notch redo, and that, that has definitely been my top thing this year. And Becky, you and I had a chance to experience it very early on, we had gone to an event that was held by Disney, and you know our first ride was memorable, not just because we rode it together, but when we sit next to Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had my first date with a Wookiee. <laughs> so you were, in, you were basically fun. sitting between an Ewok and a Wookiee because you were between Chewbacca and myself. Yeah, I know that was perfect. I loved this uh, this update I, to a ride. I absolutely loved it, and I think the only place that they missed the mark was when you get off the ride. And we know because, of course, we've been part of the community, and everybody's been talking about all of the different versions of this ride. So it's not just that you're going to Hoth every single time that you go; it changes. And so when you get off the ride, no one tells you that. So for somebody uh-huh. who's not really familiar with the ride. <clears throat> to excuse me to get on the ride and get off the ride they may not realize that there's other places you can go and other versions to experience so i think that's the only thing that they missed in the whole scheme of of uh, rolling out the uh, attraction i kind of wish that they would somehow give you that hint so that people would want to go back on immediately i, 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 I wonder off- if that's i wonder if that's deliberate or 
you know, I don't know. Is it, sure. Are they doing that to keep the line from getting incredibly long? They want to sort of keep guests moving throughout the park, especially as the attraction still in its first year of operation, still continuing to be very popular. I don't know. I mean, I felt the same way. My brother, who's equally as monster of a Star Wars fan than I am, went as well. He called me when he was on his way home. I asked him how he enjoyed the attraction. He says, I love it. I said, where'd you go? He said, well, what do you mean? And I said, what do you live under a rock, man? You're supposed to be my brother. I don't, and I disowned him, <laughs> but I called him back. And I said, and he says, yeah. I, and he was upset because he said, I had no idea. Nobody told me that if I rode again, I would have a different experience. Yeah, and I think that's the only thing we're missing. But other than that, it was fantastic. And I, I would go back every single time, especially if a Wookiee's going to be with me because they're warm. Yeah, and they I, certainly got me going back because uh, just through the luck of the draw, I've now been 36 times and I've only seen wow. the, the uh, pod racing scene once. Oh. I, I, it's very frustrating. But have you ever been the Rebel Spy? No, not I've never been. And that's the thing too. I like the fact that Again, there's there's always a surprise element. You don't know yeah. where you're gonna go. Who's gonna be the spy? And you you know you see people cheering and sort of patting the guy in front of him on the back if that kid becomes a little spy. But where are you gonna go? Are you gonna see Yoda or Darth Vader or Princess Leia? They pay tribute to the the classic trilogy. The really the only trilogy is the first trilogy, <laughs> the the new films. So whether you are an early 1977 Star Wars fan or your kids are being introduced to the franchise through things like the Clone Wars, it hits everybody on every single level. Now, Tony, I was with you and your kids the first time they wrote it. Your son sat agape staring at the screen. Oh, he was beside himself. That's the the first time we got to write it was only a few weeks ago. And, yeah, he, he had never seen Star Tours. He's only seen bits and pieces of Star Wars here and there. He's still young. But that, for me, to highlight was watching... He at both of our sons sitting there just I mean, he was beside himself. He has not stopped talking about it. And he came home and wanted to send another letter to Santa Claus for a star speeder. <laughs> and um, it was just it's unbelievable. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. And I went on the original Star Tours a number of times. But one thing I'd like I I'd really like people to know is that I get I get motion sick. I get really bad motion sickness. So I stopped going on the original Star Tours. And this ride is so much smoother. It's almost more realistic a movement. It's not as jumpy and bumpy. And I've I've gone on it several times and I've never get felt ill. So I think for people who have tried the old Star Tours, that's really something they should know about. Yeah. And if you are a fan of the old Star Tours, you walk through the queue and look, the Imagineers are the best at hiding little Easter eggs and, and surprises and tributes. If you look hard enough, you'll find Captain Rex. You'll find references to Imagineering and Imagineers and some of the old things that you used to hear in the queue, you might hear again. Uh, there's some great details in the queue. There's some great celebrity cameos in the queue as well. Again, making that part of not waiting in line, but part of the experience. And speaking of star speeders, I will tell you that Santa Claus made my son very happy this year when Stephen Miller from Disney Parks Merchandise introduced <clears throat> Santa to the Star Speeder 1000 interactive playset, the kid's brains fell out of his head on, on Christmas Day. And then you took it from him and put him on a shelf, it's, didn't you? It's now a collectible in my office, and he shall never yeah. touch it again. So, um, Continuing on into May, something else that, um, you know, a small sort of blip on the radar, but again, there's more to Disney parks than just uh, the attractions and the resorts. Um, sometimes some of those experiences take place outside the theme parks. Um, 
usually in, in terms of dining. And one thing that ties into both dining and entertainment was the AMC Theater in downtown Disney, especially a great place for locals or when it rains, sort of got the, uh, the, the dinner and a movie. And I had a chance to experience that when I went to go see the Muppets a few weeks ago. And I think a lot of people sometimes forget about downtown Disney, either because it's not on the monorail loop or they're spending so much time in the parks. But especially when either you're a local, you're here for an extended amount of time where the weather's not that great, there is something really neat about browsing through downtown Disney and that dinner and a movie experience is very different than you'll get in sort of a regular theater. Absolutely, yeah. I've had a chance to do that a couple of times, too, with Pirates of the Caribbean 4 and The Muppets. And I really like the layout uh, where it's only four across, and there's not a lot of, of people that would walk in front of you or interrupt you. So it's, it's really neat. And speaking about uh, attractions and things that go on outside the theme parks, one of the aspects of the Disney company and an enhancement for us as Disney fans was a couple of years ago, the addition of D23, the official Disney fan club. Um, and beyond doing a small events and then the D23 Expo out in California, they started doing things called Destination D, which are smaller events on both coasts. And in May, they brought Destination D much to the, uh, uh, you know, happiness of those of us who are Walt Disney World people and are on the East Coast. They brought Destination D out to Walt Disney World. Very different event than the Expo. It's not about a trade show floor kind of thing. It's for those of us who are very much in touch with and in love with the Disney theme parks and the, specifically the Disney theme park history. Scott, you were there. Becky, you, know, you were there. Uh, I really, we, I, we've been to all the D23 yeah. events and Destination Ds. It's presentations it shows it was a small exhibit they do the scavenger hunt there that was one of the things that was very much a highlight of my year absolutely i, I loved it because it actually presented the history of walt disney world that you don't get to see a lot a lot of it's uh, always been about disneyland like the last destination d so just hearing all the the backstories about the creation of walt disney world was certainly something we got to see and i loved it yeah, and it was also something that was filled with a lot of surprises. Uh, we got some, um, not any sort of big announcements and reveals, but you got things like at the end when not only does Richard Sherman come out to play a, a concert for everybody, but the Dreamfinder and Figment. Absolutely. People, like my son with the Star Speeder, they lost their minds. Every, there was not a dry eye in the house, I could tell you that. But it was a great way, and the thing that I liked about this, um, Scott, is D23 was acknowledging Walt Disney World's 40th anniversary before the 40th anniversary. This was about the, the history of Walt Disney World. So they were talking about the legacy by bringing in people like Marty Sklar and Bob Gurr and Jack Lindquist and Charlie Ridgway. Um, they had the music, but they also had sort of that new generation of Imagineers, uh, the Jason Grants, the Jason Sorrells coming in, talking about their work and their love of Disney. And it was a little bit of history. It was a little bit sort of sort of passed forward. We had Disney on TV, the Disney that never was. So I think there was a lot there for people, whether you're a, a new Disney fan or we're here, you know, opening day. Right. It was an excellent mix of everything from the past, even before the the Disney World opened all the way even through talking about what's coming into the future. So, yeah, there was a lot for everybody. I loved it. And the thing I really like about this event, too, and what I think D23 
set out to do and has really sort of found their way with doing, and, and Becky, you could tell me if you uh, agree with this or not, especially in the smaller events like this, they're definitely trying to foster a sense of community, not just by having these events that are smaller, <clears throat> excuse me, but they have things like a, a mix and mingle where you can meet other D23 members. And because we're finding a lot of the same people going to these things, we're finding that, again, friendships are forming based around this common love and passion for Disney World. Right. And you, you get these groups of, of us Disney geeks, whatever you want to call us, freaks, geeks, <laughs> pick a word. Um, we're going to be drawn to these types of things because it's not just about the parks. It's not just about riding a ride. It's not just about a resort. But you really get into, as, as to Scott's points, into the history and how this became what it is today. And things like sitting there with all of your friends who you just met at the last day Destination D and you're all sitting together this time comparing notes uh, during the panel you know, that, that Tim O'Day is hosting. And they're talking about experiences they had with a whole <laughs> different um, uh, bunches of stories that they told from the last one. So it really kind of lets us get our geek on in a, <laughs> a lot of ways. But like you said, it brings everyone together. I'm sure that the people we sat with at Destination D here are going to be the people that we sit with at the next one because it does pull that sense of community together. Yeah, and you mentioned Tim O'Day and, and maybe people whose names they, they may not be familiar with, you know, a Paul Anderson or now you know, you're starting to mm -hmm. see Becky Klein from the archive, Steve Vagnini, Rob Klein, ever, of course, Tony Baxter, but to have all these people bringing their own sort of different spin and perspective on things and, and bringing those things to light uh, is something I, I really enjoy from a, an observer and a Disney geek, and I mean, in a good way, point of view. But the other thing they do, too, that's part of this. Again, it's sort of an optional add-on to these Destination D events. They started out in Disneyland, very, very successful there. They continued it at uh, Walt Disney World's version back in May was the scavenger hunt. And uh, I am I am pleased and honored to be sitting with one of my two teammates there, Scott Otis and his secret weapon wife, Jennifer Otis. We had such a good time. That was awesome. With that. Well, it didn't matter. Well, it mattered to you. It didn't matter what place we came in because it was such a well-run, such a fun, somewhat exhausting, but really, really, like, ex we could have done the scavenger hunt and I would have gotten... Like I would have had a perfect D23 experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just getting those booklets and going through, the, there were so many uh, little details that you had to go find in every single park. It was, you know, it was a very hot day, but it was a very long day. <laughs> but it was fun. It was just going to see all the different details that you don't usually see, even when you walk through the parks and, and having to find those on a timed basis. It was awesome. Yeah, and it made you sort of, use your brains, use your observational skills, work together yeah. as a team. And it was fun because some people really enjoyed it. They were dressed up in costume and they were doing it as teams and they were doing it as couples. And it was a really, really well done, well put together uh, event. Much. And it's something that I hope continues on because sure again, did, yeah. that's sort of that very deepest layer of the onion if you want to participate. In so and again, whether you win, lose, doesn't matter because it's a great, and it's a learning experience too. Exactly. It's fun watching all of you guys run around <laughs> with your little books like crazy tethered together. And, and of course, don't uh, we can't go without mentioning the trivia contest too because that's one of those scenarios that they, they put these people on stage and ask them questions and I'm sitting there going, really? <laughs> if you think you knew Disney, watch yeah. the trivia contest. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> and they actually gave the winner of the trivia contest, Destination D, 
He got a pass to like he, the. He got all the way to the finals of the one at the expo and ended up winning. Yeah, he. They weren't finishing the question, and he was answering. That guy um, was a machine. He was a machine. Yeah. <laughs> because the trivia contest is not just about Walt Disney World. It's about Disney history, animation history, the most obscure. Hannah Montana. Facts. Yeah. So you're like, oh, I've seen Summer Magic. I could no. Trust me, this guy was yeah. a machine. Yeah. yeah. Dave Smith was going, man, this guy knows a lot. And he uh, won a cruise. <laughs> and he won a cruise. And deservedly so. Uh, absolutely much. deservedly so. Um, moving on to the hotter months here in Walt Disney World. In July, small change came to Lights, Motors, Action, where much to the Lou. dismay of my... What? June. What did I miss <laughs> in June? Where were we in June? You can't miss the one-year anniversary of the box. The one-year anniversary. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. no, 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 no. No, Scott, nobody cares that you went to Tokyo. No, no, for no, the that, that was time. not the one-year anniversary box. <laughs> that was a two-year yes, anniversary it was. box. No. Oh, sorry, sorry. Well, sorry. No, that right. was in wrong. August, Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Right. It's the well, this is the, the right. Which is in August, right? Sorry, it's the two-year. I got the number wrong. June was the third anniversary of the <laughs> Pacific Northwest mouse meet, which you're right, Becky, bears mentioning because it is a fan-organized event. Uh, again, that sense of community that takes place literally, other than Alaska, the farthest point away from a Disney theme park. But it brings together hundreds of Disney fans that, again, it's not about the place. That that sort of, that I think that that magic is brought together by the people. And again, Don Warren and his team, they bring together Disney legends like Jack Lindquist and Floyd Norman. Uh, They have, you know, games and pin trading. And again, for us and, and for the box, that's where we're able to sort of share that experience with them through the live broadcast. And that's, it is right. That's sort of where the box got its name coined. As I was walking around holding the computer, we named it the box. And to that point, um, the box has taken on a life of their own. And I'm happy because I don't have to fly anywhere to get to it. (laughs) But I will say that that, that event is near and dear to my heart because, of course, it is here in the Pacific Northwest. And it's amazing because I, I was thinking two years, but are you sure it was three? I'm, Obviously, it's you an, see I lose track of time. Yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 so, it's so cool, though, because it just, it just seems like we've been doing it forever in a, in a strange way. Um, but it did give me one of my most wonderful uh, memories of talking to and listening to Jack Lindquist and Floyd Norman exchange stories at the event. And it, it was just amazing to learn about some of their backstories and, and some of the history that, um, you know, I, I just felt so blessed to be able to listen uh, to them talk about. So that's one of the ones that's near and dear to my heart of my memories for the year. Well, for me, the only thing I, I really remember and take away from that is, is feeding Jack Lindquist a cupcake. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got the pictures to prove it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, forgive me for, uh, for for skipping over to the mouse meet. Again, I was mentioning Lightning McQueen coming to Lights, Motors, Action. And I mentioned it because you would think every six-year-old boy on the planet would be excited about cars being themed or, or Lights, Motors, Action being themed to cars. My son, having been introduced to the original Herbie the Love Bug, the Buddy, Buddy Happet, the one and only Herbie the Love Bug, was actually sad to see Herbie go from uh, from Lights Motors Action. Yeah, we were split in my house. My youngest son Dylan was upset. He kept looking for Herbie, and Jordan was beside himself when uh, Lightning McQueen pulled out. My so. son joined Cub Scouts, and from day one, when I explained to him what the Pinewood Derby was, all he cares about is making sure that his Pinewood Derby car looks like Herbie the Love Bug. <laughs> 
again, raising them right. Um, there you go. Interesting thing that they started doing and testing in July were some changes here at the resort to the refillable mug system. And I mentioned because it did stir up a lot of discussion online in that they started using RFID chips. So when you buy a refillable mug at Walt Disney World, it's uh, $13 or $16. And you're supposed to be able to use that mug at your resort for your length of stay. Now what they've done is they've put in sort of a test phase, they've put a small RFID chip into those mugs that are now tied to the beverage dispenser stations at your resort to ensure that you're only you to be sure that you're doing what you're supposed to do, which is only using your mug to refill drinks for yourself during the length of your stay. This did garner a lot of discussion and debate online. Some people not very happy about it. Some people understanding that, look, this is just making sure people do what they're supposed to do. Becky, I know you sort of were, were definitely paying attention to what was going on with that discussion as well. What do you think about the, the, the refillable mug system changes? And is that something you think they're going to roll out uh, globally throughout the Disney parks and, and throughout the resort? Well, you know, <laughs> it's one of those things where what you should do and what you can do are two different things. And obviously, I'm going to toe the, the line that what you should do is you get the mug for the time that you're there. So obviously, unfortunately, from a company's perspective, they were saying that the should do's versus the what you can do weren't exactly in balance. I'm, yeah, I had that weird, icky little feeling when they decided, well, we need to enforce it a little bit more. I think that that's what they're going to do. I think that it may not happen right away, but... Uh, testing with the art the the chips that they've been doing it's probably going to be the wave of the future yeah and and again i, I know some people are like well hey look it's only soda what's the big deal if you have you know an extra soda next time i only mentioned it too because i saw one time when i was staying at pop century there was a kid taking his refillable mug going up to the soda thing and literally pouring it into a funnel into a into a two liter bottle of coke so I'm like, yeah. I don't think that was supposed to be no. the, uh, and of the course, idea. And, and if you're talking about one or two people doing that, that, that's one thing. But think about the thousands and thousands of people who stay in the resorts each day. Um, that is that adds up over the year. So I can see why they need to do that. It's a it's a moral thing. And, you know, I'm I, well, I yeah. have that little weird, strange feeling in my stomach. I, I see why the need to do it. And I think it's less about how much you drink during your stay as opposed to coming back next year with your mug right. and then going to another resort and filling it up there. Exactly. It's not because during the length of your stay, when you're there, when you buy it for that length of stay, that's what it's supposed to be for. So Becky was so upset when she found out it didn't work with sunken treasures at the bar. <laughs> you're like, well, you know, that is for some reason, <laughs> at, at the Bellevue room, at t Tim and Alan just looked at me and they just kind of shook their heads like, um, no. <laughs> Can't blame a girl for trying. All right, so let's move into August was a huge... The next couple of months oh. <laughs> in Walt Disney World are ginormous. August especially, a lot was going on there, both for us, sort of, you know, personally, as a group, as WW Radio, and as Disney fans as well. And I hope I'm getting the order of these right. The first thing for us, Becky and Tony, what we did was the Adventures by Disney. We took the we we put a group together of WW Radio listeners, and we organized a group out to California right before the D twenty three Expo, which we'll touch on next, and did the backstage magic tour, um, which was my very first experience doing an Adventures by Disney, sort of a guided tour to multiple you know to different locations around the country, around the world, 
The one we chose was Backstage Magic, which took us out to Hollywood to Henson Studios and Jimmy Kimmel and Imagineering and Disneyland. And I got to tell you, uh, it was, uh, again, for especially for somebody who is a, a theme park fan and who's a Disney fan, was such a great experience, not only because of what we saw and what we got to do, but again, you see, even now, the friendships that we made there that have continued, but I can tell you, being a kid at heart, being a Disney fan at heart, getting to go to places like the Henson Studios, or to be able to walk into Imagineering and see the presentations they that they put on and meet Imagineers, go into rooms where there's props and maquettes, and yes, go shopping at Mickey's of, of Glendale, like that's the kind of experience that only could be put together in a, a, a trip like this, an Adventures by Disney trip. And, you know, it's not for everybody, but I will tell you, um, it, it was one of the highlights of my year and, and certainly something I would definitely think about doing again. Yeah, I yeah. definitely agree. It was even though I had to room with Caggiano. <laughs> well, that was pretty magical there. So that's only <laughs> only I can make that happen for you again. But um, yeah, the trip. When you look at the itinerary for these trips and you see obviously obvious things that jump out, you're just like, oh, we're going to go to Imagineering or go to Mickey's of Glendale. But this trip from start to finish, even the things on the list, the locations that I didn't think were going to be – I thought they were – at first, honestly, I thought they were filler. Jimmy Kimmel and the El Capitan and they wound up being incredible. Everything, start to finish, it was, it was phenomenal and – Unfortunately, when it's a, another one case of it was just a flash because you, I woke up so excited every day to see what were what was next, and um, yeah, I my wife gave it to me as a birthday present, and I went and shared a room with Lou. My wife wasn't able to make it; she stayed in Disney World in Disneyland, and I, it's something I thought was going to be a once in a lifetime experience, and I will absolutely do the backstage mag- magic again with my wife. It, yeah. I will definitely do it again. It's that good. It's incredible. I've done it three times with three different groups. And at this point, it's an amazing thing. Something does happen in Imagineering. And of course, I was one of the few people in the room who knew what was going to happen. I'm not going to mention it here. But I remember sitting, knowing it was about to happen. And I looked at all of the faces of the, of the group of people, all of my new friends who were sitting there. And when it happened, watching the jaws hit the ground and the tears start to flow. And I saw this whole room of adults turn into eight-year-olds instantaneously. And that's the type of magic that they can create on these things. Um, you know, where else can you actually go into Walt's apartment? All of those little touches, it, it really is a fantastic tour. And yeah, I'm going to do it again. And, and, the, and like the cruise too, so many people who went that didn't know another soul on there end up becoming such good friends um, because of it. Yeah. Yep. Same Still thing. talk to people every day and people that you've... I knew going in, I was, I, I probably knew half a dozen in the group and it's, it's amazing how close everybody got and how much fun it was and just an unbelievable yeah. time. And, and think, I'll tell and you, I, I I'll tell what, you that these, uh, sorry, the, um, these groups tend to do that. It's not just our group that yeah. you know happens to listen to WW radio, but almost every ABG group I've ever been on they still keep in touch somehow, some way. And there are email lists and there are trip reports and there are Facebook pages where these groups of people who've traveled together still keep in touch. And it's great. So Tony, all that stuff that she was saying about how wonderful our group was, was the most magical group ever. That, that she says that to everybody, but what, <laughs> what I thought I we were special for a minute, but okay. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> nice. No, but what, what, what Becky said about the jaw dropping moment, 
sitting here thinking now, I can honestly, and I'm not going to get into it because I, I would hate to spoil it for right. someone who's taking this Adventures by Disney backstage magic in a year or in a month or whatever. But I can, off the top of my head, sitting here, think of six truly jaw-dropping moments, six things that I was in awe of and had tears in my eyes, you know, maybe more. Like, this is just sitting here off the top. It was, it was that good. Yeah, it's such an amazing time. Henson Studios was was the one thing that continues to to resonate with me, especially when you see it when you watch the Muppets movie. Um, I was like, I was there, you know, I was there at a place that 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 really was a formative part of my childhood. But I think the thing that makes the Adventures by Disney unique is not necessarily about the destinations. It's not about the bus or the accommodations or the food, like the Disney parks themselves. I think it's the cast members. It's your tour guides. It's the places that you go and the people who are there from Disney that make that experience special. It's not like going with another kind of group, just like going to Walt Disney World is different than going to some of other Becky's favorite other theme parks in the Orlando area. It is something about the cast members that make it unique and that make it special and how they're able to take that Disney experience out of the theme parks, whether it's on a cruise ship or it's on an Adventures by Disney. I still also. The guy that's online. Yeah. Yeah. And they also weave in the story, the entire story in the history of Disney. And they are walking encyclopedias uh, about Disney history. And it's just amazing the knowledge that they have and the enthusiasm in which they share it. It really is a great bunch of people. Those AVD guides, you'll see them in any of their destinations have that same level of passion and enthusiasm that meets ours. And the great thing about this ABD trip and part of the reason why we, we booked it when we did was because it ended and led us right into, um, both time-wise and geographically-wise, the D23 Expo. The second expo they had, the first one was back in 2009. I will tell you that as an attendee to the ABD, rolling right into the expo was an awesome idea. As Becky, you know, as people who were exhibiting at the expo, it was the stupidest idea ever (laughs) because we're trying to manage and enjoy the ABD and then start worrying about pallets of items getting shipped to the expo and setting up the booths and everything else like that but um it it was again an amazing experience and understand what i mean by this not necessarily because of the expo itself but because of what we were able to do while we were there we were there not just as attendees but we were there we, we again we tore down the walls we shared a large exhibit space and the fun part of the expo for me was not because I didn't go to any practically were not the um, exhibits and the presentations, but was what was going on sort of in our booth with being able to meet people, having it sort of being a, a central kind of home base for a lot of people. And again, bringing the entire four, you know, three day D23 experience to those who couldn't be there by broadcasting it live the entire time to the box. We had a booth cam, we had a, uh, a computer cam, and we were walking around and sharing the exhibit with them. And that, for me, that's what jazzed me up every day. Like, that's what really got me excited was talking to the people who couldn't be there, introducing them to the people who were there, and getting to share that experience with them. And I know, Tony, Scott, you guys were there. Uh, Tony, you were helping out in the booth. You were also there with your family celebrating your birthday and, and enjoying the expo. Scott, you did something. You experienced it from a different way, too. And again, I don't want to sort of rehash the entire uh, expo recap show. But you had gone to the expo before. This time you had gone mm-hmm. 
using the Sorcerer package, sort of that high-end premium package that gave you front-of-line access to the expo. Uh, again, without sort of going through the conversation we had at the recap show, which you can still find in the podcast archives, what were your thoughts about the expo and your experience? And then, Tony, share yours. Well, I, I certainly I got that pass, so I could go to as many presentations as I could possibly. And as it turned out, that turned out to be a wise move. As the the I think the big story of the expo was lines. There were lots of lines for all the presentations. People waiting hours and hours. So I was lucky there that I uh, had a chance to do that. But you know, I got to see uh, you know the the legend ceremony, a bunch of the presentations on. Um, you know about brave and all the upcoming attractions and, and movies and then you know hanging out at your booth you and you and becky's booth that, that was awesome love doing that just to hang out with with the gang and then also you know going to things like the the parks and resorts presentation to see all the the new technology that they're going to be putting into the parks everything was just wonderful and so that's why i did that how did you feel compared with the 2009 expo well i I think the 2009 Expo was probably better because there were a lot more uh, surprises and, and, you know, it was new, something that we had never had a chance to see. So everything was new there. So um, this one probably did not meet up to expectations as them uh, improving upon that one. It, it was still an excellent thing, but uh, I probably preferred the 2009 version. Will it come back? I think so. I hope so. Tony, what about for you? For me, I really enjoyed it. Um the, st- the stories about the troubles they have with the line, everybody knows that, the problems with the lines, and I I was disappointed by that a little bit. But overall, I loved the presentations. I loved being part of the group and helping you guys out and being in the booth and talking to people on the box and just walking around. And my wife was there with the kids and seeing my kids see the just the things we did with the kids were great. And then having one day we sat down and had lunch and sitting down next to us at one of these big tables is Margaret Carey. And we're talking to her and it was just the whole experience to be honest. It's a blur. It was such an incredible whirlwind. we were down in Disneyland for two weeks, I think between ABD and the D 23. But, um, it was one of the highlights of certainly my year, but one of the highlights of my life, just that whole experience of being there with everybody. And it was also the before and after the expo and before and after the ABD really getting to know so many people more than anything. It was walking away from amazing time with amazing friends. Absolutely. If they do it again in 2013, would you go back? And more importantly, would you go back with your entire family or solo? I would. Well, it depends if, uh, if you're going to let your wife uh, go on this one, my <laughs> wife is definitely going to be there because, uh, it's, it, there's no, it's no secret that my wife is a saint and um, she flew out there and that was my gift was the adventures by Disney. And then when you and I and Becky were running around setting up the booth and whatever, I was helping you with different things. She was still there with the kids. And there's like she said, there are worse things she could be doing other than hanging out in Disneyland with the kids. And but um, yeah, I would I'd go back with my whole family, probably if they did it in Disneyland, we would, you know, Cars Land is coming and that's. Yeah. That's high on our list of the future. I hate to spoil it. That's coming up in your uh, discussion of 2012. But um, I would do it if I would do it with the family. I think it was a great time. Well, yeah, because you mentioned your was. wife, I, I do need to make a, a quick personal note here because you called your wife. A, <laughs> if your wife is a saint, my wife is the saintliest of saints. <laughs> because right before the Adventures by Disney and D23 Expo, we made a very quick decision to move from Naples to the Orlando area. 
and the the chronicle of events went like this. We literally finished packing our house and found a mover on Wednesday. We moved out on Thursday. We moved in on Friday. We unpacked on Saturday. Sunday morning, I woke up. I said, okay, listen, get the kids in school. Go get a job. Go get the house all done. Finish unpacking all the boxes. Hang everything on the walls because I have to leave. I'm going to California for 10 days with my friends and Becky, so I'll see you. I came back from there. I said, listen, kids are in school. You got a job. House looks good. Everything's in the, in the refrigerator and the freezer. The picture's all up. Everything looks great. Because listen, because tomorrow oh I'm going to Alani with another woman. <laughs> That's not you. And, and that leads me right Saint. into. God, I'm, I, man, I know. Way out of my league. Anyway, blessed. because literally just like a week or so later, I was back on a plane to the West Coast. Visiting Becky Mencken, and from there, she and I hopped on yet another plane and crossed the Great Pacific to go before the grand opening of Disney's Aulani Resort in Hawaii. Yes, I actually came back to my house, my children, and my wife, but Becky, again, we talked about Aulani. We've shared some some videos from there, and that was another thing about can they bring that Disney experience to a completely different type of destination and what was it going to be like? And I think we all sort of came back with the same feeling that it is a res- a beautiful resort that showcases the culture and the people and the traditions of Hawaii, but with a little bit of Disney magic sprinkled on top. So true. And it's amazing how popular and how uh, how much wonderful um uh, feedback we have received about the Aulani Resort. And of course, it, the question we get every time we go to a meet of the month or when we talk to people is when we do in a group there. Are you asking me that question? <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. I can gonna... feel your, your eyes burning through the, uh, the, the phone lines. <laughs> yeah, that's something we'll, uh, we'll definitely have to talk about. Maybe Tony and I will actually bring our wives. <laughs> that would be great. That would probably would be a good idea. I, I do remember just how fantastic it was to have a meet there with a whole bunch of the residents that were there in Hawaii as well, which was another way of bringing people together that had never met each other, but they lived within just a few miles of each other. Um, it, it's amazing how many places and how many times the Disney brand will bring people together. And when they bring you fresh tuna pokey that was like caught that oh morning. Oh, my God. It's just- oh, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I was like my son with a star speeder when they and, walked in with that. And um, you learned hula. You learned a hula many I learned times. a hula and that video will never see the light of day. You have a better <laughs> chance of me wearing the Italian boy shorts again than you do watching me hula. Oh, never say never, Mancho. <laughs> and guys, and Becky, off the record, he practiced the hula in our room and ABD every night. <laughs> Him and that, awesome. him and his Don Ho CD that he kept playing drove me up the wall. Yeah, see, I can see a fantastic vacation experience there, and and now that they're bringing the uh, the Disney cruise ship, they've got it on the West Coast, but now they've done that 15 day thing that kind of goes to Hawaii and back. I'd love to see them someday tie it together so that you can take a one way from LA to Hawaii and spend a week in Elani. Just my little wish list. Let's just say that the wheels are spinning and slowly getting in motion for those of you who may be thinking about doing a trip to El Lani. Just sit tight. It's on the list? It's on the list. As great as those uh, events were during August, in my notes, I kind of put September down as announcement month because this is when a, a lot of new things came to be and a lot of new things 
were announced. And we're going to get to sort of the uh, the gorilla on top of the elephant that's in the room in a second. But first, there were a couple of things, again, from a Walt Disney World perspective that uh, sort of everything old was new again. We got sort of the, the new Star Tours. We got an updated uh, Haunted Mansion. We also got a new old Enchanted Tiki Room no longer under new management. A... Um, a timely possibly fire uh, <laughs> inside the under new management attraction brought us just in time for the upcoming 40th anniversary of Walt Disney World, the old sort of a, a tribute to the original Enchanted Tiki Room. Uh, Iago and Zazu have now flown the coop. And if you've been a fan of the Disneyland original or the Walt Disney World original, that was an opening day attraction. We now have uh, a somewhat abbreviated version of that show but Scott, you know, you know, again, a lot of people who are fans of the original and that's sort of what we grew up on. Right. We're very happy to see that come back. And what were your thoughts about uh, when you saw the attraction reopen for the first time? Well, I was certainly excited to have it come back. And I was not a huge fan of the under new management. But, you know, what was probably most surprising to me is, you know, I had actually gone to the to the original here at Walt Disney World was the pre-show. Um, it brought back all the memories of, of me having seen the original pre-show, uh, which, you know, that was great. And then, of course, seeing the, the, um, the Enchanted Tiki Room, the show itself. Yeah, that's wonderful uh, short of I, I think going to disneyland to see it in in its more full version i think it was absolutely wonderful a, a great move yeah the disneyland version has two things on top of the walt disney world version well three things a it was the original mm-hmm. b it's the full version there's a couple of ex- uh, of it uh, the original songs are still there and c you can get a dole whip in inside, the queue yeah. like inside the queue you can and actually bring have it a dole whip and bring in, it inside in the um this is the exterior exterior area there with the tiki's is great as well. Uh, it's funny though, if you visit the parks and you sort of stand out there and listen or you talk to some people that aren't familiar with what had happened, they talk about, wow, they, they changed the original under new management Tiki Room. Like that's <laughs> what they, they've known and they sort of question, you know, why are they using these old songs that aren't necessarily uh, relevant in, in 2011? Certainly going back to, uh, to some of those original songs. But a lot of the older people, whether they were Disney fans or just older generations, love and like the fact that there's sort of those those older tunes in there. And, and I've brought sure. my kids too. And again, because we brain uh, raise our children right, my kids at six and eight love this version more than they like the new management. Very good. If it's good enough for Walt, it's good enough for them. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, my kids are the same way. They're they they like the new one better. And but it also has a lot to do with the. The songs that are there, they play those, the old Tiki Room songs, the originals, they play those on their iPods and all this stuff. So they were, I guess, I guess I did something right there. That's the little <laughs> bit, the little bit I did to add to my child, my children's upbringing. That small bit of good parenting, there, <laughs> there it you is. Go. It evidences itself. They just right need there. to bring back the orange bird. I'm telling you, he's coming back. Uh, we're going to get to the 40th anniversary of my feelings on the orange bird. Anyway, a couple of other things uh, before we get to the big announcement of September is... A long-rumored addition to the Magic Kingdom was finally announced, and it was given the name Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom. It's going to be a new, free, interactive game that's going to be part of an optional experience, if you so choose. If you're familiar with Kim Possible and Epcot, where you're given a communicator to solve um, some puzzles along the way and basically end up saving the world, 
a similar type experience is coming probably more akin to the midship detective agency game right. on the Disney Dream and what's going to be coming to the Disney Fantasy, the Muppet version there. We were given a card. There's a number, and I and Scott, I've been around the Magic Kingdom. I've seen probably 12 to 15 of these stations mm-hmm. um, very subtly placed and very well themed around the Magic Kingdom. But you'll be able to now protect the Magic Kingdom from these villains that are trying to take over or sort of think a Ridley Pearson Kingdom Keepers Absolutely. type of game, not specifically themed to that. Uh, but I love this idea because, again, the kiosks are not in the middle of an attraction. They're not in the middle of a walkway. They're off in some some corners. They're very, very well themed. And, again, it's how deeply do you want to dig? And I think what it does, too, it gives you an added element. It gives you that added layer to the onion. It gives you something for your kids to do, for you to do. You can play together as a family. So I would love to see kids looking at the sources of the Magic Kingdom map rather than potentially looking down at Facebook or, you know, texting their friends or exactly. whatever it might be. Yeah, exactly. Just as you said, it's another layer, another way to to experience the Magic Kingdom. So hopefully they'll be able to go around it and learn things about all the different lands this way instead of going around a different way. So, And we've seen um, from, from some of the conversations that are going on, there is some play testing going on now. Mm-hmm. This is probably going to launch January, February, possibly. Uh, they haven't given an official launch date as yet. But what it's also doing, too, is it's going to be introducing or possibly reintroducing to some people some classic Disney villains. So you're not going to necessarily just have characters from the theme park attractions. You'll have Dr. Facilier and some other characters as well, all very much themed towards the land they're in. And they're going to probably bring you to some places that you possibly have never explored before in the Magic Kingdom. And that's what I like about it. Exactly. It's going to make your experience in Walt Disney World better bringing a lot of the the dark uh, the the hidden corners of of the magic kingdom to to light that'll be cool yeah and, and like i said we've already seen probably 12 to 15 of these kiosks already starting to crop up uh, and i think for the most part uh and tony and becky you can tell me the idea of adding on these type of experiences especially ones that are free and are accessible to both kids and adults and and families i think continues in that philosophy that that goes back to Walt which was making the experience something that families can enjoy together and again you're not sort of tied to having to have this device like a communicator in your hands but it's about sort of exploring and sort of putting you on this adventure through the Magic Kingdom yeah I I love love it yeah I'm excited too I love anything that's it's an add-on I don't see what's not to like about it I just it's something you don't – nobody's going to force you to do it. You don't have to do it. But anything that adds to the experience of the Magic Kingdom, I'm all for it. And I also like that the sound, from what it sounds, from what I'm hearing, is that it's going to have some classic characters. I like that. These are, I think they're characters that will stay probably more relevant than, say, Kim Possible. Um, it will certainly be more relevant with my own family as we don't – you know, we've had no exposure to Kim Possible with my children, two boys at, at the age you're at. But – I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, my husband and I got addicted to the Kim Possible game. At first, I was a little skeptical about bringing something in. But once we started, we couldn't stop. And so I think it's just going to be an enhancement, especially because it's going to be something that's included in your ticket, which always you know makes things a little easier when it's easier on the pocketbook. But when it's an enhancement, a new experience, something a family can share together besides just standing in, in line for a ride, I, I'm all for it. I think it's a great idea. 
Yeah, and if you go to the video section uh, on the site or in the iTunes feed, uh, go to wdwradio.com. Check out our video from the Midship Detective Agency on the Disney Dream because that was one of the things that really gave you the opportunity to explore and learn about the ship in a fun type of game. You didn't, you weren't confined to having to do it in a specific amount of time or getting a, a fast pass time to come and do it. You could do it anytime at your own pace and you do sort of get that payoff at the end when you sort of solve that crime. So I'm super excited. Again, not watching any videos of playtesting that's going on, but seeing the kiosk going up, super excited about Sources of the Magic Kingdom uh, coming in early 2012. Speaking of games, sort of going way, way outside the theme park, but want to mention it anyway because uh, it is at some points dominated way too much of my time. <laughs> but I think it's important because we're talking about uh, Disney as a whole in 2011 and a leap that they've made this past year into the mobile market. And the mobile market, I mean, with the launch of Where's My Water and Swampy the Alligator. Uh, <laughs> and if you game. have an iPad or an iPhone, I'm not sure if it's on the Android platform as well, they very quickly have dominated this sort of game section of the market. You know, Angry Birds was so 2010, Swampy and Where's My Water. Um, you know, my kids play it, I play it on my iPad, and I'm really liking to see what they're starting to do in the mobile space with games like this, with the interactive storybooks. Again, there's stuff for kids, there's stuff for adults too. Uh, and just wanted to sort of mention, because this in September is when I think uh, Where's My Water launched. Yeah, it's amazing how quickly that thing take, took off. It's amazing how much time <laughs> it can dominate. <laughs> you're it's like one level, so and then, yeah, yeah. Six hours later, you're like, I need to get a tri duck on this level. And uh, <laughs> got to help him. Take yeah, a the shot. first exposure we had to it was in, uh, you showed it to us when we were down there in the end of September. And with my kids and my wife and myself, everybody loves it. It's good fun. Yeah, good stuff. And I, and I like to see them, uh, hopefully, they'll continue to do it. And, you know, with that tie-in to, uh, and we're going to talk about this when we get to October, when we, we sort of mentioned the Wi-Fi being expanded on the parks, I wonder how much the gaming, the interactivity on these mobile devices may be getting brought into the parks as well. But again, the big elephant in the room in September. And listen, you if anybody tells me that they saw this one coming, um, unless it's Bob Iger saying it to me, I would, would somewhat doubt the veracity of that statement. <laughs> because when Disney out of left field says, oh, by the way, we're going to partner with James Cameron and we're going to build a new land over at Disney's Animal Kingdom based on Avatar. And I always sort of put an asterisk and say, I think it's going to be based on sort of the land uh, and that world of Pandora. People were shocked were stunned, some were excited, some were not quite as excited. Angry. Um, yeah, and I saw a, a different side of people um, come out when that Avatar announcement was made, but whatever it did, it certainly sparked an incredible amount of discussion, certainly speculation, because the one thing they did not do was they didn't show you anything. They show you the logo of Avatar and said, we're gonna go into this partnership, a long-term partnership with James Cameron, who, by the way, is also going to be releasing two subsequent Avatar films. So the franchise is not dying. Instead, it's growing. And coming to Disney's Animal Kingdom in 2016, 15, 17. 16, somewhere between 2016 and 2018, <laughs> there is no, we're going to have this land based on the world of Avatar. Uh, and again, it did very much spark intense debate, uh, which 
to a certain degree, and I know I got some, some pushback on this, I questioned because I said how we talked about, and this is what I was sort of foreshadowing before with my questions to you guys was, I have enough faith in the company and what they've done. Disney World seems to be doing okay. Um, we still seem to be enjoying it 40 years later. I have enough trust in them that they know what they're doing. I don't think this is going to be a a, a, a land based on that singular film of Avatar and that storyline. I think what it affords them the opportunity to do is build in this mythical land that they had planned from day one in terms of Pandora. And if you watch the film Avatar, hopefully not after a 40-hour show, and imagine <laughs> those beautiful environments, especially at night, those bioluminescent lights mm -hmm. and the tree, you can start to wonder and hope and imagine what may come to a whole new section of Disney's Animal Kingdom. Some people were very angry, not just at Disney, but to those who said, yeah, this sounds really cool. And I only questioned it because I said, you know, we didn't see a single piece of concept art. We didn't, they haven't moved one stitch of dirt. They haven't told you that they're taking out Expedition Everest to put it there. So it was hard for me to understand such anger about Avatar when nothing had come out as yet. Exactly. So, yeah, it's the big unknown. And I, as you said, I have faith in the Imagineers. I've seen what they can do, and I, I, I know some of them personally. And I'm, I have faith that they're going to create a, a wonderful land there probably using technology that doesn't even exist yet as far out as the the it'll be coming out. So that'll be exciting. What was your reaction, uh, Becky, then Tony, of the Avatar announcement? Uh, well, I, I think it was like a lot of people. That came out of not just left field, but another planet to me, literally, <laughs> because it was shocking. I, I had no idea, didn't see it coming, didn't hear any rumors about it. And at first I went, Okay, and then I went, ah, thinking about the possibilities. And like you said, all it was was an announcement. We got no detail on what they're doing. But you can imagine them taking that the planet. You can imagine them taking the, the lush atmosphere of that location and creating something around it. So I see the possibilities, and I am also going to sit back and just allow the Imagineers to do their work because these guys and, and ladies are incredible people with incredible imaginations. And I think that they're, we're all going to be proud of, of what they end up with in the end, or at least I hope we will be. So I'm going to be optimistic and wait to see what we get in the end. And I think the point being made, too, that we they're probably going to in, in, use technology that we cannot even fathom at this point. Right, right. With everything that's on tap between now and 2016, 2017, wherever we are, there's a lot of things that, that they can be working on between now and then to make this thing just absolutely fantastic. And with James, so I'm, I'm sorry. And with James Cameron say, helping them, you know, he's actually yeah. created cameras, you know, or different technologies just in making his movies. So, you know, he'll certainly help them with that. And yeah. Who knows what And he's a story. Up. Look, he's a storyteller, you know, right. he, and he too has a track record. I think he did what that what's that big boat movie he did Titanic Titanic right so the he's abyss. done a, he does also have a track record of wow of um of great storytelling yeah. as well too and I think that's I think he brings more mm -hmm. than just the film Avatar exactly. I think the, that's the what this relationship is going to be right and for me it's the possibility it's it's what could possibly occur with this it could be absolutely amazing and. I, I can't wait to see what they come up with. This is not a comparison. It's an analogy because it, if you go back to Walt 
who admittedly was not a great artist, what he did was he surrounded himself by the people who were the best at what they do. And I think that's happening and that has been happening with the company again. And we'll talk about that later when I make uh, another reference. But a Lassiter that you bring in, you, you bring in things like Pixar, you start making relationships with people like a James Cameron who you might not have loved the film Avatar is a great storyteller. Again, it opens up a whole new realm of possibilities. Right. And like I said, to your point, I saw the movie. I wasn't a huge fan of the movie itself, like uh, like some other people that I had a discussion about this with. But again, what the movie encompasses in its in its rich environments, that's what they have to play with. They've got a beautiful canvas here that they can to throw a story on. So that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, I feel the same way as Becky. And like I just like I, I said, with the Haunted Mansion, I reserve judgment on it until I see what they do. Um, the Disney Imagineers are, I, I could, could say they're the best at what they do. They're really the only ones out there. They've created this entire industry of creating this kind of magic on the level that they do with the storytelling. So I am a, I'm a huge fan of Avatar. And when it, the announcement was made, I said I was excited. And of so many people jumped on it and... I had so many discussions about it, and the big argument is Disney shouldn't be doing. It's not Disney, so their their people weren't happy. And I said, yeah, you know, I understand that, except for the Star Wars thing, and maybe the Muppet thing, or you know, the Tower Terror thing, Indiana or the Indiana Jones, Jones yeah. thing. I mean, there's enough <laughs> of it that's fantastic, and everyone considers they consider who's going to come in, and, and nobody's coming in complaining about the Star Tours redo or when that came together and that's like you said that's just another example of an incredible storyteller in george lucas coming into the fold with disney and it's a win-win and i see the same thing for i see the same thing for the cameron the cameron disney relationship i'm really excited to see where it goes and nothing's been put out there just yet about it so i have i have nothing bad to say i'm 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 really excited for it and i know others don't agree with me but the uh, that's never been the the yardstick for me to make my decisions. Yeah, most else. people don't always agree with you anyway. So you're yeah, so so for you this you're so pretty much used to this. I'm pretty yeah, I'm this is <laughs> this is where I this is where I thrive. This is my this is my milieu. So I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh let's move forward into October because uh the big part of October certainly was the 40th anniversary of Walt Disney World, something that Disney fans, Disney nostalgics, had been looking forward to since 1988. But Disney <laughs> themselves, like we mentioned with D23, was already hinting to back in May with the Destination D event. And this was an interesting celebration because those of us who were very familiar with what that day represented knew that we had to be there. Um we knew that we wanted to be there and see whatever it was going to be that Disney was going to do. Uh, unlike Epcot's 25, where there was nothing other than a fan event that sort of brought out uh, some bit of the celebration from Disney, there was something that Disney had said that they were going to do for the 40th anniversary. And while it was not a, a huge celebration, they did have a castle show, they did have a character parade, they did some really neat things that a lot of us we're excited about, and by a lot of us, I don't mean the people who are just taking them and putting them up on eBay five minutes later, but <laughs> when we walked in and we were handed a map that was a duplicate of the map that was handed out on October 1st, 1971, and there was merchandise, and, and so it was really exciting for us just to sort of be there 
as part of the celebration. Scott, this is something you and I had talked about. We were looking forward to going back to uh, Destination D. <laughs> I was convinced the Orange Bird was coming back. I was wrong on October 1st, but I still feel it in my bones that we're going to see the Orange Bird in uh, in some form or fashion. And again, people who were not familiar with the Orange Bird are wondering why I'm obsessed with this little character with a giant freakish orange head. Um, but Becky, you were there and you saw, again, for the people that didn't know what was going on, they're like, wow, this is quite an exciting day. There's a lot of you know hoopla going on. But for those of us who were there because of October 1st, there was that exciting energy again in the air um, sort of sharing in that feeling of sort of needing to be there on, on that day. Yeah. Again, it was one of those things that the community brought us, brought people together, brought the community together to, to share in this milestone. And you kind of had the build up to it with Destination D talking about the 40th. And then, of course, all of the merchandise started showing up with the 40th, the little orange bird. When you finally got your T-shirt, I think you cried for the first time probably in your life. Um, but it was it was really amazing to feel the energy because no one really knew what was happening that day. Um, we knew that there was a celebration, but we didn't know what it would entail. So there was all this kind of nervous energy and excitement and and again, pulling people from both coasts and all together to share in this milestone. Yeah, and there was something else that took place on October 1st that six months before sounded so good in my head. And when it came up to uh, September 25th, and I'm going, what what did I say? What did I commit myself to again? Yourself? On the, well, you, were, you guys were silly enough to join in. I, you could have just let me sink <laughs> on my own. Tony, weren't we told we had to be oh, there? Oh, right. Yeah, that's because it was completely yeah. optional. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember the, sitting on a cruise ship when he uh-huh. opened his big mouth and made the announcement, and I could feel eyes on me, and I looked around like I had nothing to do with this. And Deanna looked back you, at me. That was my wife best. had no idea what was coming. So let's rewind to February 2011. Uh, I'm in my car getting ready to head out to the cruise. And in 2010, we had done a 24-hour live video broadcast. Yeah, that uh, was easy. From the parks. <laughs> Piece of cake. At the, well, at the time it wasn't because 5 o'clock in the morning, we were, we were hitting the, this, a serious wall. But I said, you know what? We, we had such a good time doing the 24-hour show. We raised a lot of money for, for charity and the Dream Team Project. I said, we need to do something like that again, but I can't just repeat it. And... In, again, going back to what I said before, in February, we recognized that Walt Disney World's 40th anniversary was coming. So in my sleep-deprived state driving to the cruise and getting up on stage, it just sort of fell out of my mouth that we are not going to do another 24-hour show, but in honor of Walt Disney World's 40th, we'll do a 40. It makes right, it makes perfect sense. 40 hours for 40 years. My he, wife's the- mouth... My wife sat agape like Jordan on Star Tours and my son on Christmas Day. She's like, what, what did he just say? And she looked at Caggiano like, this is all your fault. He looked she at her looked like, me. I have no idea what's going on. Becky she looked like, at me. I looked at her and I just looked and I shrugged. And she goes, liar, you knew. That's exactly The one thing this taught this. me was run my ideas past somebody else before I oh, announce them. No, you did. You you looked at me and you said, I have a great idea. How about a 40-hour show for the 40th anniversary? And I looked at you and I went, okay. And then you grabbed the microphone, ran up on stage <laughs> well, see, and told everybody. Why do you say, you okay? Me, You're supposed was, to be, you have no, no motherly instincts whatsoever <laughs> by talking said, okay, me down. Was, no, it's all about the tone, though. It was, Lou, it was more like, 
okay. Like, you're crazy, but I'm not going to tell you right now because you're you trying to find out people. Okay with, let's think about this for a second. You could announce it later on on the cruise. No, you just let me go. You were gone like a shot. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, though? Who cares? Because it was yeah. we had it was an awesome time. Awesome. And I seem to remember that there was also a lunch on a garbage can somewhere in that 48 hours. So I got a breakfast and a lunch the throughout the year. The fact that you remember anything from the 40 hour is more than I can say for myself. Thank God oh, for, for video oh, no, and no. photography. Can I just can I just relive one moment that everybody who was uh, brave enough to watch us through that I'm time will Scott always scared care. because I have no idea what she's going to mention. This would be the driving lessons with Lou. <laughs> <laughs> the absolute terrifying shrieking driving lessons with Lou. Don't do that at home kids because it's bad. But that putting on the Ritz was probably <laughs> one of the best karaoke songs known to man. And yes, wow. the other one I do want to mention, especially for the 40 hour show is when we're all in our last final hours and all of the money that was raised for, oh, um, for the charity uh, through the tra charity auction, we're all comfortable waiting for those totals. And Christy Visaki is in a room like a mad woman, totally totaling up everything and working like crazy to pull the rest of that together. Huge kudos to her for doing that, by the way. She looked like Jean, Jean Wilder in Young Frankenstein as she was trying to pull. This could work! <laughs> <laughs> and that, of course, was the putting on the Ritz part. Uh, yeah, so I, I think that those are probably my the things that I can pull from my memory the most are, are driving lessons with Lou and putting on the Ritz. Yeah, and, and look, it was... Uh, it was a fun time. We, we had a blast, not just with the people who were together the entire time and stayed up all 40 hours and were with us in the house, but the people we met during the 40-hour celebration and at the meet of the month and, you know, along our, our journey that, again, is, is somewhat of a blur, but the, the literally the, the thousands of people that watched in the box like we felt like they were a part of the experience with us and hopefully they felt the same way. And again, I always kid around and say, I don't know who's crazier, the guy that sits in front of his computer talking to himself or the people that watch the guy sitting in front of his computer talking to himself. But I am uh, it, it is very uh, humbling and uh, that, that people will sit there and watch us, you know, drive around and just act crazy, but hopefully connect them to the, the, the fun and the experience that we had. And more so than anything else, the most important the most rewarding part and the most um, gratifying part that really is a testament to those people and to that community is within that 40-hour span, we raised more than $17,500 for the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America through our Dream Team project. And that is such a testament, not to WW Radio or the 40, but to this community and to the people who are, who are a part of it. Um, I, I am speechless and I get choked up when I think about it and when I talk about it because we talk about things like Disney magic and making a difference and these these memories that we create but that $17,500 is going to go to sponsor not one not two but more than three wishes of children wow. to come awesome. to Walt Disney World two of which we're going to actually get a chance to meet in just a couple of weeks uh, at, at the parks when they come down which gives us sort of that sense of, of understanding and knowing and getting to put a name and a face to where that money went. And uh, again, I, I am grateful beyond words to Amazing. everybody who played a part in that, whether it was your time, your money, whatever it was to, to make that happen, because that is all about you guys. 
That was worth driving lessons with Lou right there. <laughs> and that's going to be an auction item next year. You can actually win. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's no. like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. <laughs> Riding with that's, the lawyer yeah. in his motor car with the potential of getting hit by a train and dying and going to wherever you Hell. want. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Um, a couple other quick things in October. Yeah, how do you follow that up? Um <laughs> Over at the Town Square Theater, formerly the Town Square Exposition Hall, formerly the Gulf Hospitality House, Scott Otis, <laughs> Mickey Mouse and his uh, his meet and greet there, which is incredibly well-themed. Again, going back, thanking and and uh, making reference to some of those Imagineers like a Jason Grant and, and those guys who put such incredible thought and detail into that space. We got a change there. Um, and for a, a brief while, they were testing out a talking Mickey. And what differentiates this from the dream along with Mickey where he had the articulated eyes and mouth or even going back to Here Come the Muppets back at Disney's Hollywood Studios, this Mickey didn't just talk at you. He spoke with you. So he would talk to the kids and say, hey, I love your Buzz Lightyear shirt. And wow, welcome back. And what do you and sort of think about that turtle talk with crush technology, but in a, a real audio uh, in a real sort of Mickey Mouse that was uh, that was not an animatronic but that was Mickey there talking with your kids and you see the responses from kids and adults and and there's videos out there of adults that are just again like my son and Jordan losing their minds <laughs> because they're speaking not to but they're speaking with Mickey he's responding not just in hand gestures and and nods but by responding directly to you and I think guys that is just a very basic very early look at what we're going to start to see in 2012 and certainly far beyond that you know what amazes me is that i think back when i was a kid going to disney world and some of the characters we saw and how they've come a long way and look more like for us for my opinions they look more like the characters now than they did back then if you understand the Character you see really does look like the cartoon character nowadays, and it seems like for our kids, we I first saw the spe- the talking Mickey Mouse out at D twenty three Expo, and for our kids, it's it's hard to believe, but it's just going to be normal for them. My son spoke to Mickey Mouse, and he came away like that was cool. That was the Mickey Mouse, and I got to talk to him, and it really was magic. It was Mickey Mouse. It wasn't. The kids do not see the technology. They saw the real Mickey Mouse in their minds, which was incredible. That's because it is the real Mickey Mouse, Tony Caggiano. <laughs> um, see, this is why I this is why I turned down nine invitations to be on your show. Stuff like this is the reason I never want to be on your show. If Becky didn't ask get, me nicely, I wouldn't be there. Taking out the Italian boy pictures, okay? There you go. Um, <laughs> Tony posters. So uh, a couple of things I, I want to quickly mention about October. Again, Disney starts rolling out uh, something that many of us had, had been hoping for and kind of never thought was really going to happen was Wi-Fi, not just at, at the resorts, not just, just in your room, but free Wi-Fi throughout the resorts. And over the last couple of months, it's continued to grow and expand beyond just your room and the lobby, but to a lot of the other public spaces there. Wondering, speculating, maybe anticipating it also coming to the parks as well. Again, thinking forward about what may be coming technology-wise. But going back to another event that took place uh, in October as well, I wanted to mention, not just because I I went to the event, thank you, Becky Mankin, but 
because of what it represented, because it wasn't a sort of a, a Disney Parks global event. It wasn't a D23 event. It wasn't a fan event. But instead, it was a Disney Parks blog event. And they had the Haunted Mansion Room for One More event, which is one of a couple of events they were doing throughout the year, um, which was interesting because the night before, there was a, a Disney Parks blog meetup. And then the following day, they had this sort of uh, grander paid ticketed event, a, a room for one more event. But the night before, that tweet up, that meetup that they had for people who were responding on the Disney Parks blog uh, is something that they just started doing. Clearly, that they were testing out. But the response to it was overwhelming in that tickets were gone instantaneously. You had to RSVP and then it was a first come, first serve basis. But it was a private event at no cost. They bust you over from uh, Typhoon Lizard, 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 Beach, Lizard Beach. Yeah. To this event, they had a presentation from Imagineers. They had Imagineers touring you through that interactive queue, give you access to ride the events just for those people who were there. They had giveaways and stuff like that as well. Really, really well done. Really would like to see those events continue again. It's not a membership thing. You don't have to be a part of D23. You have to sort of follow what they're doing and sort of that growth that's happening over at the Disney Parks blog. And again, the Haunted Mansion Room for One More, a separate kind of thing, a separate ticketed thing. But again, there are all these sort of add-on experiences for you if you want to take part in them. Yeah, that the uh, the tweet up. Doing the tour of the the very first time I saw the interactive queue at the Haunted Mansion, I was lucky enough to be there with you, and we got a tour from one of the Imagineer, the Imagineers who was in charge of the project. Yeah, yeah that was and Pete Carcillo there, and, uh, and Eric well, Goodman. I, yeah. Well, I don't remember the gentleman's name who gave the tour, unfortunately. I was so excited, but to sit there and have him talk about something so passionately – and we were there talk. He gave us a private tour group of about six or eight of us. I forget how many were in our group, maybe 10 for 20 minutes. And it was incredible because he could have spoken for another two hours. And I know everyone would have listened had there not been more people for him to give tours to. But to really sit there with an Imagineer who was so passionate about the project and go over all the details, stuff that you would have you may have overlooked a thousand times if you'd walked past it. And it was just that was really a highlight of uh any experience I've had in the Magic Kingdom it was unbelievable. Yeah, and I hope those things continue um, going forward. want to hit quickly a, a couple of the other things that took place because I also want to talk about not only what we gained but some of what we lost and then quickly look ahead to 2012. In November, uh, over at the Richard Petty Driving Experience, they announced the exotic driving experience where uh, you get a chance to get behind the wheel of exotic cars like Ferraris and Lamborghinis and Audi A8s <laughs> and Porsches. What could possibly go wrong? But uh, whether you are a, you know, for if you were a NASCAR fan, Richard Petty was awesome. But if you are uh, uh, even, you don't have to be a race fan to enjoy this. Again, I think about one of those cool things you can do as a father-son or give to your dad or give to your mom to do. Uh, I have got to mention, coming out uh, in November, uh, far and away, my favorite film of the year. My kids are are asking me daily when it comes out on Blu-ray. The release of the Muppets film is significant, and this can and should be a conversation separate and apart from this show because of, I think, what it represents and what it hopefully signals because the response to this film was so great and it clearly was such a passion project from Jason Siegel 
the idea that we could potentially be seeing more Muppets and hopefully inside the theme parks, uh, really, uh, I think that's what the Muppet franchise needed was to see what the response was going to be like, how a film like this was going to do. Uh, the response has been overwhelmingly good. And again, hopefully this is going to start to signal uh, more, either more Muppet films or more importantly, more Muppets coming to the theme parks, bring back some of those original concepts that we had talked about on some earlier shows. Quickly jumping into December, I would be, re- how did I go all the way to December without mentioning food? But I have to tell you that the addition, stop laughing at me, the addition of chicken and waffles to the Sleepy Hollow refreshments was wow. awesome. But now, wait a minute. Now, let me understand why. Not just because of their awesome deliciousness, the chicken and waffles and the Nutella and the berries. Nutella. Oh, mm, yeah. amazing. Oh, my. The waffles as large as my, it's, it's like a pizza that they fold in. Oh, it's, but what I think it represents is the expansion of menus property-wide that we're starting to see throughout the parks. Not headline-worthy. This is not the big news story of, of the year, but I think it's important because we're seeing this kind of food. We're seeing gourmet hot dogs. We're seeing things like that they do in Disneyland where you're finding specific right. items in specific areas, and to know that you have to go to Sleepy Hollow to get chicken and waffles or get the Nutella and waffle, I, I like the, the, the less sort of generalization and standardization of the menus throughout the parks yeah in addition to like the teriyaki chicken nuggets that in fantasy land oh. exactly this, this signifies that <laughs> i get disney and disney gets me that's what it signifies before when you said something everyone's been waiting for you went wi-fi i was gonna go i was going waffle right and the and the gourmet hot dogs that they're introducing oh, in a yeah. couple of the areas. In the Just Let me tell you something, hand. Becky. There is nothing more romantic than than nuzzling around a chicken and waffle on top of a garbage can in Liberty Square. Oh, my stars. Really? <laughs> you, let me tell you something. You haven't lived until you've had uh, Nutella see, and berry I, I waffle. Tried, wow. Wait, wait. I, mm-hmm. I tried the waffle ham thing, and that just wasn't, that wasn't doing it. Now, so did you notice the, I, I mentioned chicken and waffles and Nutella okay. and <laughs> right? Okay, yeah, the, the so you're telling point, me that I'll give you that the chicken and Nutella. Okay, I didn't try the chicken, so maybe we'll have to on the next time there. Maybe we'll have to attempt the yeah. chicken and waffles on a garbage can. Guess where we're going next week? See. I'm just okay. saying. It's she a day. bashes the waffles. Hang up on her, Lou. <laughs> oh, oh, let me tell you something. I had her on the on the hang up button. Like <laughs> don't Scott make do it. Don't <laughs> make <him> do it. <laughs> Listen, you can mess with a lot of things, but don't... Not your chicken and waffles. Got it. Uh, All right. right. A couple (laughs) other quick things I want to mention in December. Going back to the Disney fantasy, we got more information about the Disney Dreams sister ship, which is launching in early 2012. Again, the Muppets now are going to be a part of that interactive play game. We saw some of the enchanted art. We heard about new shows like Wishes, Aladdin, Fantasy Come True, The Unforgettable Journey, uh, a new play area, water play area, areas for adults. So it's a, it's a similar but continuing to grow and expand on the offerings of the Disney dream uh, over at the Disney Fantasy. Uh, again, for those of us who ride the monorail, who pay close attention as we take our boats back and forth uh, to and from the Magic Kingdom, Nothing to see here for many months, folks, but that that nothing to see here, nothing going on, which finally announced as the expansion of Disney's Grand Floridian Resort to a Disney Vacation Club resort in between the Grand Floridian and the Wedding Pavilion. They're going to build, I believe, 147 uh, Disney Vacation Club rooms there. Many people who are Vacation Club owners or have been thinking about it, very, very happy to have another location 
in their flagship resort right on the monorail loop. I think those were sell very, very well. And I saved um, what I think is the most important one for last. And December would have marked the 110th birthday of Walt Disney. And I say it because I know it's very cliched, but I think it's always important that none of the things that would have happened in 2011 or any time beforehand would not have happened without Walt. And I think it's important that as much as we honor the 40th anniversary and the 33rd anniversary of the waffle sandwich, whatever it may be, mm. you need to also always recognize and remember Walt Disney's birthday as well. You're here. I want to quickly mention a couple of things because I, I preface the the, uh, the segment by talking about things that not only we gained and things that we were being hinted to for the future, but there are things that we lost as well. Insert sad music here. Mm. We lost Mickey's Toontown Fair. And let me tell you something, Disney. You so got your ROI out of that temporary Mickey's birthday land <laughs> in 1988. You put up those temporary facades, those air-quoted temporary uh, tents, and uh, you definitely got your money's worth out of that. Charlie Ridgway, you guys did a great job putting that together in just a few months because 30-some-odd uh, years later, it's finally coming down, and that will now become Storybook Circus. Mm-hmm. We've also lost, thanks to the Fantasyland expansion, Ariel's Grotto and Scuttle's Landing, sweet cream cheese pretzels, mm-hmm. oh, how we will miss you so. For some, it was a loss. For others, it was a gain. The Enchanted Tiki Room under new management is now gone. Iago and Zazu are looking for work elsewhere. We also lost Block Party Bash with, I think, some of the hardest working cast members anywhere the in Walt Disney working. World. Multiple shows <laughs> Multiple times throughout the day in the middle of the, the sun, they're so jumping. So much spin- energy from start to finish. Absolutely. And they, let me tell you something, those guys work and do not think that you, if you are a cast member or a former cast member that were worked in that show, don't think your work went unnoticed. We also lost Al Weiss. Uh, again, it's it's he's not a character, but again, his presence uh, at Walt Disney World and some of the, the great things that he did there. Uh, very much beloved by cast members that worked mm-hmm. for and with him too. Uh, we also in in March we they announced it was the final grad night. And if wow. you ever attended grad night at Walt Disney World as a high school senior, you'll know we're probably were probably sad to hear that go away as well. A tradition, yeah, for all the way back in Disneyland, a long time ago. Uh, many of us, and you know, especially after what a great time we had this past event, I am so thankful on so many levels that we attended the final ESPN The Weekend uh, this past February or March. They did announce that was going to be the last one. We met some great people along the way as we broadcast uh, with the box. Um, oh, no. Yes, over we in downtown Disney, we lost uh, the Virgin Megastore and the Ride Makers, which had taken over that space temporarily, although we will be getting something else coming in 2012. As part of talking about Downtown Disney, we, we lost in July Hyperion Wharf, and we also recently lost the Wellness Suites at Disney's Contemporary Resort, both of which Hyperion Wharf and Wellness Suites, we hardly knew ye <laughs> because they were canceled before they were announced. Uh, I, I think for a variety of reasons, I think that idea of what to do with downtown Disney is still very much being tweaked. Um, yep. I don't think that the concept is gone. It could be in name. It could be in theme. But I think there are some major plans coming for downtown Disney in the future. And this is going to sound odd when I talk about this as something that we, being Disney fans, lost. 
but uh, to, to quote Tim Foster, go with me here. We lost Steve Jobs. And I mention that not just because of his presence um, on the Disney board, uh, but because I think of what, like a, a Pixar and a John Lasseter, like a James Cameron, what potentially we may have lost for the future. Had he lived longer, how the Apple-Disney relationship may have continued to grow. And I'm not saying that it won't, but obviously he was uh, the figurehead and, and uh, the driving force behind that company. And I wonder, and can only sort of speculate, obviously, what may have come had he still been around and how that may have affected the Disney-Apple relationship and, and what they could have done together. Uh, because Steve Jobs, again, not comparing, but analogizing, like Walt Disney, very much a visionary and clearly changed the lives of hundreds of millions of people around the world um, and, and with his vision as well. A uh, couple of things I want to just quickly touch on as we look ahead to leap year 2012. Obviously, we have the exotics cars coming in January over at the Richard Petty Driving Experience, probably around January 16th or so. The sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom are going to invade probably also in early. Again, I would think January, February, and we're going to have... And what we were saying before, I love the fact that Merle and the Magician is going to be here. And you're going to have mm -hmm. like Yzma and Kronk uh, and villains from uh, from other Disney films coming in. Obviously, Fantasyland going to be opening in phases, beginning with Storybook Circus. Uh, we've got the Double Dumbos. You eventually, you've got the Great Goofini. Uh, everything. Listen, I'm believe it or not, I'm excited about the Fantasyland train station. <laughs> and the mine train, too. <laughs> um but as it opens up in phases, uh, the under the, the the Little Mermaid attraction certainly, mm -hmm. the BR Guest Restaurant is going to be not only beautiful inside, but what it represents as far as another counter service, and then at night a table service restaurant, which I think the Magic Kingdom desperately needs, uh, is yeah. very exciting. Uh, for guests that are coming, we sort of previewed and talked about some of the new themed rooms that are going to come beginning mid February 2012. The Royal Guest Room, so you're going to have over at Port Orleans Riverside. Uh, rooms that are themed with elements from Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast and Princess and the Frog, these sort of very royal-type rooms. Again, wondering what this may mean for the theming of rooms going forward, depending on how these are received. I have a feeling uh, very, very well there'll be about 512 of these royal rooms throughout the resort. Uh, the Disney Fantasy, obviously launching in March 2012. We've talked about uh, the similarities and the differences and maybe the add-ons to the en and enhancements from the Disney Dream. So, for example, there'll be a Bibbidi-Bobbidi boutique there. They're going to have an Aqualab water play area, some of the new shows. And again, that maiden voyage is scheduled for March 31st, 2012. We talked about, too, speaking of the Disney Cruise Line, the new ports and the new itineraries beginning in May. Uh, again, depending on where you live, this may afford you your first or a new opportunity to experience the Disney Cruise Line. Going back to uh, the resorts in May, a lot of people, especially those who love the theme of the resorts and are looking for another new level in the Valley Resorts, the Art of Animation Resort, that the formerly that other half of Pop Century, is going to open in May. There's going to be 1,120 family suites themed after the Lion King, Cars, and Finding Nemo, 864 themed room in the Little Mermaid Wings. Uh, Really like from seeing some of the concept art, from some seeing some of the room mock-ups, how well-themed they are, especially 
cars. Like it makes you feel like you're in the Cozy Cone Motel, uh, which I really like. These are going to be opening up in themes, uh, in phases with the final wing, the Little Mermaid wing, debuting in late 2012. So it ties in also time-wise with the opening of Fantasyland very, very well. We talked quickly about the loss of the Virgin Megastore in downtown Disney. What we do get is an interesting addition to downtown Disney, which is Splitsville, which is coming in late 2012, a 50,000-square-foot facility that's going to have bowling, billiards, dining, music, and nightlife. That's going to be on the west side. Uh, I think that could be a very interesting addition to the downtown Disney landscape, which I think for a long time has been trying to figure out what it is, what its identity really is. Right. And finally, bowling, you know. Yeah, we had... To Disney World. Yeah, we had heard uh, probably about a year ago that they were going to have a bowling center added sort of in a, for more competitive levels over to Wide World of Sports. That was put on hold, but this is something that will be accessible to to kids, to adults, uh, to families. And again, the fact that they add sort of an adult element to it with the music and the nightlife will be very interesting uh, for sort of those late nights in downtown mm-hmm. Disney. Um, certainly here in Walt Disney World, we get Fantasyland, but I would be remiss if we did not mention Cars Land coming in summer 2012 out to Disneyland. For those who uh, are Walt Disney World fans and maybe haven't made their trip out to Disneyland, I think this is sort of very much circled on the calendar. And by I say circle, I mean anywhere between May and August when <laughs> Cars Land may open. Um, Becky and Tony and Scott, I know we've talked offline about you know, sort of getting ready to plan our next vacation out to Disneyland specifically for this. I certainly yeah, I see uh, the when we go out there for Destination D this or next year, I actually see myself spending a lot more time in Disney California Adventure uh, this time due to Cars Land. I just cannot wait for that. And I think that for people who haven't been to the Magic Kingdom or DCA recently, I don't think people realize just how enormous both of these additions are. Exactly. I mean, I'm, I was taken back by the size of Cars Land and as well as just how huge Fantasyland is becoming. Yeah, the largest expansions in both parks by far. It's like unbelievable. Yeah, and when you talk about that Cars Land expansion, you cannot fathom until you stand there and see just how big it is, especially knowing that Disneyland is sort of locked into the confines of the four corners that they can't sort of expand out beyond that. You wonder how they're putting something so immense that has huge, immersive attractions in there um, and sort of creating these these mountains and valleys of Radiator yeah. Springs uh, is just incredible. You know, Force yeah. Perspective doing its job, but the mountain range is impressive. It is, it's unbelievable. My, my two boys were, we could see it from our room at the Grand Californian. My two boys were, they were, um, they were beside themselves. <laughs> Becky Mankin, three words for you. Flows V8 Cafe. Oh my gosh, this is going to be so much fun. <laughs> I mean, who knew before DCA came along, who knew that that parking lot was actually that big? Yeah. If you think about it. Yep. Because, wow, that is a very immense land that they're they're putting in there. And it's uh, all the... Uh, all the pictures that we've seen so far, all of the hype that we've heard about it so far, it seeing it and seeing it come up slowly but surely, it seems to be living up to its hype. So can't wait for that. And nice sort of segue, speaking of living up to <clears throat> maybe what their original mission was, I think this is a big, important year for D23. Not just because they're going to have another Destination D out in California, but because they're going to have so many events 
around the country themed to all different levels of interest. So they're going to go to Smoke Tree Ranch in just a couple of weeks. And if you've seen the partner statue in Disneyland and Walt Disney World, that little symbol on Walt's tie is STR, that's Smoke Tree Ranch. That's where Walt vacationed. And they're going to take you out there and give you a tour to a place that has, for the most part, been closed to the outside public. They're going to yes. tour you. Uh, sorry, again. And I was going to say, huge kudos to the D23 people for thinking outside of of the parks box and taking you to that location. And I also want to give big kudos to them for having the forethought to give the dates this far in advance. <laughs> that was actually right. one of my most favorite things or favorite announcements in 2011 was them giving us the dates and the details of their events coming up so we could plan and have enough time so we don't miss out. Right. They've given you the, the entire calendar of events, save for any surprises that they may have in store. Door. But yeah, and they've got something all year long. So if you can't make the Smoke Tree Ranch Roundup, which I am, am very upset that I can't, they again have the tours of the studios of the archives, which I will tell you if you've never had a chance or the opportunity to do. If you are a Disney fan, it is one of those things that will very quickly jump to the top of the most amazing things you've ever done. They've got D23s from the vault, Newsies on the studios lot in California. They have anniversary celebrations in March. Not in Walt Disney World and Disneyland, but in Orlando, Chicago, New York, Boston, San Francisco, and L.A., around the country. A couple weeks later, they have a journey to Marceline. They've got the pilgrimage to sort of where it all began, to the sort of that, that dreaming tree where, where, where Walt spent much of his formative years. Again, more tours of the lots and the archives. Uh, they have 50 and Fabulous in search of the castaways. Destination D is August 11th and 12th out in Disneyland. 75 years of Disney animation. So it's themed not towards the Disney parks, but towards animation. Scott sort of <laughs> shaking his head. I think we were both kind of wondering how that may affect who and how many people come out to this event. I'll certainly go to it. Um, but yeah, it'll definitely be an interesting twist uh, as the past couple of Destination Ds were all parks related for the most part. And this will be all about animation. So interesting. So I'm not saying that I'm going to be out there for that and for Cars Land and maybe we'll do something while I'm out there. But, you know, you can read between the lines and, and we're going to be up. there. Yeah. Anyway, um, again, lots more tours. So it's not just a one and done. If you can't make it out early in the year, they've got more tours of the studios and archives in September. Uh, they're doing a lot. Again, going back to some of these old classics from the vaults. Treasure Island is going to be shown at uh, at the studio lot in Walt Disney World. They're going to have. D23's Sip and Scream, sort of an eating, drinking, scary Halloween-themed event in October. Disney and Dickens at the studio's lot and the Tam O'Shanter, yeah. which you've got to nice. go to. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of meat and sit at Walt's table. And <laughs> yeah, again, no magic and merriment in December <laughs> at Walt Disney World. Uh, I, I love what D23 is doing because, again, it affords so many different opportunities for people around the country to come together and enjoy events as Disney fans. So I applaud them. And Becky, you're right for announcing the schedule in advance. It gives you a chance to plan out. Um, two things I'm looking forward to that I can't speak to because we just don't know what they are. And the first would be some of the things that we hinted to are going to be those advances, advances in technology that I think are going to be rolled out in the parks, on the cruise line, probably at the resorts, including next gen, whatever that is, and the level and the increased level of interactivity it's going to bring and personalization, I think, of the guest experience. And again, that conversation is one that we should have 
because I think your experiences in the park are not only going to be more fun, more interactive, but they can be very personal um, and not in sort of a, a creepy privacy kind of way, but in a wow, that's going to blow my kid's mind. This is going to be huge. Kind of Disney's way. throwing over a billion dollars into this. So yeah. it's going to be huge and it's going to be widespread. And of course, uh, in literally just a matter of hours of when we're recording this, whatever it is mm. they're going to announce on December 31st, um, Disney had, had mentioned on their website that during Dick's, Dick Clark's rockin' New Year's Eve, and Dick's <laughs> got to be like 172 by now, uh, they're going to make an announcement about sort of this one more Disney day <laughs> in this leap year, whatever it's going to be. A lot of speculation as to what that could be. It's going to be very interesting. And we I think it, see. it may be more than what the speculation is leading to because why would they use a platform like New Year's Eve to right. say, oh, we're going to have an extra couple of hours in Disneyland or Walt Disney World. So we're kind of looking at each other like, hmm, wondering what this is going to be. Of course, this will make no sense to you because you'll be listening to this after the, the announcement. Yeah, right. But as we're recording, it's something we're thinking about. So I want to ask you guys, uh, what are you most looking forward to in 2012? Scott and then Tony and Becky. I would say probably the expansions of Fantasyland and Cars Land in, in here at Disney World and at uh, Disney California Adventure, and then tying that into the Destination D uh, when I go out there to see it. So probably the new expansions I'm most looking forward to. It's going to be a lot, lot of stuff. Tony? Um, as far as, yeah, I'm looking forward to probably the same thing Scott's looking forward to as far as the parks go. I'm really looking forward to this Fantasyland and the, the Cars as well. Um, and as a group, I'm I'm looking forward to us all getting together and doing a cruise again. I can't express enough how much that was uh, just an incredible vacation for us all. It's a great time. Becky, what about you? I am so glad you're not limiting me to just one <laughs> because I, I'm along the same lines. The, the Disney fantasy I'm really looking forward to because, of course, I have cruising in my blood and I can't wait to see the new things that are going to come out for that. But Cars Land, because that is near and dear to my heart and only a two-hour flight away from me, so that's awesome. <laughs> but more so, I think the excitement of the technology of NextGen and watching that for 2012 to see where they take that, because little by little we keep hearing more about it, and that's exciting to me. But I'm also looking forward to when you decide to announce what dates we're going to Alani. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> well, my, my, what I'm most looking forward to, anyway, I started off by asking you guys to describe 2011 in one word. And I won't ask you to do it in 2012, but I'll sort of encapsulate what I'm looking forward to most in a single word, and it's it's kind of two words, but the unknown. And what I mean by that is this, as excited as I am for Cars Land, for Fantasyland, for Be Our Guest, for the expansion of the chicken waffle menu, whatever it may be, it's the details that we don't know. It's the surprises that are in store that we don't know. Those things that sort of come, that, that are announced or revealed that we have no idea that are in development as yet. Those things that you don't expect are sometimes the things that are the most fun. Talking Mickey, chicken and waffles, whatever it may be. Certainly the crews and the events and the, the community things that we're going to do are, are very close uh, behind that. Um, but, you know, as we look back sort of as Disney fans on 2011, I did want to very quickly look back sort of personally and, and show wise of what 2011 meant to me. And I'm waiting for one of you to start giving me a snoring sound any second. <laughs> but um, 
you know, when I when I look back on the past year, uh, both personally and, and and show wise, the first thing that came to my mind was the newscast. You know, we I sort of it was something I was thinking about doing for a long time. I've been doing it now for more than a year. I was concerned initially. I'm like, you know, can I do this? Can I sustain something every week? Am I going to be able to show up every week and do it? And I can tell you now uh, that Wednesday has quickly become my favorite day of the week. It's something I look forward to, not because it gives me a chance to talk about what's going on in Disney news, but it gives me that sense of community and family and friendship and that two-way conversation that I don't normally get uh, with the show to that end. With January coming up, I think this is going to be our fourth year yeah. of doing Me to the Month. And taking that idea of the two-way conversation further, nothing beats a hug or a handshake. And there is nothing like going to those uh, uh, events and getting a chance to meet you one-on-one and more importantly to watch you guys come together and watch friendships and, and a form from there. And as long as one of you shows up, I will keep on doing those uh, for as long as I can. You know I'll keep showing up. You've missed three, didn't you? You've missed three in four years. That's right. And you call yourself my friend. Anyway. <laughs> oh, wow. I went to Japan a couple of times. Come on. You didn't take me. <gasps> take me. Show some dedication, okay. Scott. Dude, let's do, wait a minute. A meet of the month in Japan. We did that. Well, I I'm wasn't just there. Saying, I was an actual It's Japan. on the list. It's on the list. <laughs> <laughs> I'm write this down. Um, well, even my frequent flyer miles. Come on. Yeah, listen, I'm I'm it, I'm adding it to the mental list and the calendar. Um, not, let's do it. <laughs> uh, back in May, I, I started doing something that uh, I had never thought of before and really came because some people were asking about it. But uh, I, I am so happy and, and so enjoying uh, doing the tours of the park. And again, that I that opportunity to. You know, it's one thing to share things through the show or through the audio guides or the magazine, but to get to share it individually with people uh, and families, especially when when there's kids involved, has really been a thrill for me. Uh, It's been so much fun. I've really been enjoying doing the tours. Uh, Celebrations Magazine is in its third year. We just released our holiday book, and you guys have been awesome in your response to that. Um, Sort of expanding on what I've been doing, the release of the iPhone apps and the, the free app and the trivia app. And I know Droid people are wondering when that's coming. Stay tuned. Um, I don't know why I wrote this down, but the Blue Zoo review was a milestone <laughs> oh. in my life. <laughs> I was there. That was awesome. You were there. I, I've never had, and Becky, as much as I love dining with you for six hours at California Grill or corn dogs on garbage cans, it was a life-changing experience at Red Blue Zoo. I wept. It we was... looked at each other like, my God, is this really happening? Like, that's how good it was. Um, Amazing. Yeah. And eventually I brought my wife and Becky and, and everybody else. Tony, and I need to bring you next. Um, yes, you do. I, the show has afforded me such great opportunities, um, mostly getting a chance to, to, to meet people and the friendships, but... You know, from look, I'm a Disney fan first. You know, if the show went away tomorrow, I would still be loving every aspect of it. But when I'm afforded the opportunity to meet and talk to people like a Randy Noble or a Brett Iwan, who's the the voice of Mickey, a Jeff Curdy, Kathy Rogers, and a bunch of other Imagineers, Jack Lindquist, you know, the president of Disneyland, uh, Pete Renaday, the oh so lovely Stacy Oswad, uh, Alex Mayer, and some of those other guys. I always say that if nobody else listened to the show, like just the opportunity to meet those people and thank them for what they do has been uh, uh, a great thrill for me. 
Um, released a couple of audio tours this year. Uh, the blog has grown exponentially thanks to the addition of new contributors and a daily scheduled blog post. I have to give huge monstrous kudos to the person that makes that happen, which is not only the bloggers, but Christy Visaki. Um, she has been a savior with that, and I am grateful. Um, and I mentioned, I hesitate, but I mentioned the podcast awards only because it reflects not anything that I did or the show has accomplished, but what I've said from day and show number one, which is that you guys are my friends whether we have met yet or not, um, you guys show your friendship and support to me in so many different ways by nominating the show and then voting the show uh, Best Travel Podcast. And it, and I say six years in a row because that's a testament to you and the entire Disney community. And I hope that that award and that recognition serves to make more people aware of this community of Disney enthusiasts that exists. And for people that are just starting to discover it. They know that they're not alone in their love or obsession for Disney. And I hope that also leads them not only to find this show on the site, but all the other incredible podcasts and blogs and more importantly, people who are out there that share their love of Disney in a lot of different ways. Um, and to the extent of that sharing and, and the size of the reach, I, I was able to speak over at Blog World um, and the New Media Expo out in LA this November and you guys should understand that people who are not in the Disney space are so intrigued and amazed by this community that has formed around this brand because it doesn't exist anywhere. Becky, much to your dismay, I'm sorry, it doesn't exist for Universal. It doesn't exist wow. for WikiWatchy or, you know, Apple may be the only thing that's close <laughs> to it, but this love of a brand that brings so many people closer together uh, is amazing still to me and a lot of us and for people who are outside the space I'm telling you, they were fascinated uh, by that. Um, really quickly, it's so much an important part of what I've done since before the podcast, starting off with my book, um, has been trying to help others. We raised this summer, we, you were talking about um, Japan. We raised more than $2,000 for Japan relief after the earthquake and tsunami out there. Uh, we had a some of us who were part of the Dream Team Project were able to meet for the first time a child that we sponsored um, because of the donations and the generosity that you guys have given through the Dream Team Project. Uh, we've raised more than $150,000 so far to make wow. a wish. And I will tell you uh, on a personal level, that means more to me um, than you know and is really the most important part of what I do. Um, Certainly moving to Orlando was another huge leap of faith, but I will tell you that thanks to all of you guys, uh, I feel more at home here than I have anywhere else in, in 43 years. So I am, uh, I am very grateful to that. And to the end, a quick sort of preview of what's coming up for 2012. Um, <laughs> Becky, you don't even know all these yet. Uh, <laughs> That's there what I'm are afraid some, of. <laughs> there are some new events coming, some new products, and some ways I'll be sharing content. What you do know about is we do have the WW Radio Cruise, and if you guys are thinking about it, you still can visit MEI and MouseFanTravel.com and get a free no-obligation quote. And we're going to go November 4th through the 8th. It's during Jersey Week if you're up in the Northeast, so even if the kids aren't out of school, take them out. I'm, I promise you we'll make it educational and informative. You guys know, um, you can hear as we talk about what a great time that we had doing that and uh, planning is still going on planning scheming whatever you call it and i will guarantee that we have some extra surprises in store for you as well 
Um, although I have been podcasting since 2005, February 11th is going to mark five years of WDW wow. Radio. Again, thanks to Christy Misaki for pointing that out to me because I would have <laughs> let that date come and go. Um, and I do want to sort of hint to an event that will allow anyone and everyone to be invited to attend sort of virtually. We're going to do something at Walt Disney World, but it's really going to be more for the box people. We, we coined that term a few years ago. And what we hope that you do is that you watch at home or maybe even get together and watch with others. And we're going to have some ways for you guys to be active participants in our sort of five-year celebration. Hmm. Stay tuned for more information. Hmm, I got a, I got a, a quizzical look from Scott. He was like a little puppy dog. Like, hmm. Hmm. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> even Becky's like, I have no idea what she has planned. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. um, I did hint after the 40-hour show that I did have another idea for an event that I wanted to announce but decided to wait until now to do it. I will tell you, it is not going to be a 41-hour show. It is not going to be a 30-hour show. It is not going to be any sort of time-specific or time-sensitive thing. Tony and, and Becky are breathing a sigh of relief. Um, <laughs> what I, ca- I can't tell you everything yet. What I can tell you is that I loved the October 1st anniversary and events so much that I want to do it again. I want to do something around that date again. Um, again, not 40 hours, not 41 hours, but an October 1st event in 2012 and beyond so starting in 2012 i'm planning on holding uh a wdw radio e-ticket event each year on and around october 1st you know sort of celebrating walt disney world's birthday or anniversary and it's not going to be a single event but a series of different events and gatherings and surprises and it's going to range just like the old ticket books from some simple a ticket events to sort of the big e-ticket the 20,000 leagues under the sea type (laughs) e-ticket event to sort of cap off the celebration again uh, I'll have more details soon but I would if you can kind of circle October 1st on your calendar this year and beyond I will do that Uh, we're gonna have some other events in the parks out of the parks for and with the box people so stay tuned for that uh, Becky, the idea of a bus tour is still out there. We have to just work out the logistics. <laughs> um, I have been working quietly and tirelessly in the wee hours again on some new products. Um, I am, of course, going to be finishing the Magic Kingdom series of audio tours with Tomorrowland. Got some other products in the pipeline as well. Some physical, some not. Uh, I am going to try to finally finish, much to the joy of my publisher, Volume 3 of my Walt Disney World trivia book. Where it really all got started. Um, another project I'm hoping that I've been working on for a while, I'm hoping to announce in the next couple of weeks. And like I said, Scott looks, looks hmm, he's looking at my notes to see if I have anything written in here. Um, some are going to be in print, some are going to be in digital format. They're going to include things both from Celebrations and WW Radio, maybe a couple of other different things as well. Um, Scott, you'll be able to add to your library of awesome. books and apps and stuff. Can't wait. Um, I'm also going to be doing some more beyond the confines of WDW Radio. Again, can't sort of reveal everything just yet. Um, But I am going to try and start sharing some more kind of non-Disney specific content over at LouMangelo.com. I have a blog over there. I'm going to be sharing some more video content there because my fat finger typing is just awful. So it might not be specific to Disney. It may include everything from personal musings and or ramblings to podcasting to other topics 
outside the main realm of Disney specifically, it's going to really kind of allow me to share some other content that I want to do that I'm unable to do on the blog or kind of the limitations of Facebook or Twitter or Google Plus. Um, so I should have a new blog post video debuting soon. Um, I am very much looking forward to the new year. Uh, I don't make, make resolutions. Instead, I set goals. I'm going to share some of those uh, over on lumangelo.com as soon as I get my third of three finished. But I do want to just end off this uh, long, incessant rambling by saying that um, I, I sincerely feel blessed to do what I do each and every week. You collectively and individually have touched my life and, and changed it in uh, such a positive way. Uh, I am sincerely and eternally grateful. And it's because of you that I get to do what I love each and every day. And I wake up every day feeling positive, loving and feeling loved thanks to you. And I hope that 2012 and beyond affords you the ability to pursue your own passions each and every day, uh, that you remember what it is that made you fall in love with Disney in the beginning. And that feeling continues to grow with your enjoyment and appreciation for the parks and beyond. And you guys, Tony Caggiano, Scott Otis, and Becky Mankin, um, thanks to all this, you guys have become some of my closest friends. And I am very grateful to you for that and for the changes in my life that you've given me. I, I wish I could name everybody individually, but for those listening, um, you have done so as well. Guys, I want to thank you for joining me tonight on our look back, on our look forward. Uh, and to you, my friends, I want to hear your thoughts about what you felt was some of the biggest or the biggest event in 2011, what you're looking forward to most in 2012. Maybe share your thoughts and reflections on both of those over at wdwradio.com. There you can click on this week's podcast and share your comments and the discussion in the show notes. So Tony, Scott, and Becky, uh, thank you again. Uh, my most sincerest thanks to all of you for tonight and for the friendship. And I wish you all nothing but the best in 2012 and beyond. It will be bigger and better. I promise. It's going to be awesome. Thank you. Thank, thank you. thank you for having us. List. Appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Bustor. 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 West Coast Adventure. Oh, yeah. Tokyo. Waffles. Aulani. Bustor to Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs>
and chat and broadcast for a while after that as well. If you can't make it live, you can catch the show on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Radio on the blog or catch the audio in the iTunes feed as well. Be part of the WDW Radio family and community, not just by participating on the discussions going on in the show notes and the blog, but by meeting other Disney fans on our discussion forums or in person at Meets of the Month and other Disney events. For more information about those, you can visit DisneyMeets.com. You can also follow me over on Twitter. I am at Lou Mangiello. And Facebook, we are Facebook.com slash WDW Radio. You can also add me to your circles on Google+. I am LouMangelo.com slash G+. That'll take you right to my Google Plus page. Big thanks to my partners and sponsors, including Mouse Fan Travel. You just heard Becky on this week's show. She and her team are not only my recommended travel provider for all things Disney, but they are who I use myself, giving you best possible prices, all available discounts, an incredible level of service, all at no additional cost to you. They are over at mousefantravel.com. Thanks to allstarvacationhomes.com for all their support in 2011. They have more than 150 homes within just a few miles of Walt Disney World with private pools, spas, master bedrooms, game rooms, theater rooms, and lots more. You can visit them over at allstarvacationhomes.com. And also, thanks to Swan and Dolphin for all their help and support over this past year. Had a lot of great times there, especially at the restaurants like Blue Zoo, Il Molino, and Shula's. And again, I love their heavenly beds over at the Swan and Dolphin. You can visit them over at swananddolphin.com. Looking back at 2011, Celebrations Magazine and Tim Foster were a big part of the year for me. Please come by, visit celebrationspress.com. There you can find out how to subscribe, order back issues, and you can still get copies of our limited edition. There's just a few left hardcover holiday book. You can find all that out over at celebrationspress.com. As always, my friends, you have been the most important part of not just 2011, but the past six or so years that I've been doing this. And again, as always, all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share the links on Facebook, Google+, or your favorite discussion forums. And please come by, rate and review the show over in iTunes. Very much appreciated as well. And as we look forward to the new year, uh, again, I hope the new year brings to you and your family and those that you love new opportunities, growth, positivity, love, friendship and happiness and most of all i want to give you my sincerest thanks for all that you have done for me personally in 2011 and i look forward to a bigger and better and truly amazing 2012 so as always my friends and you are my friends whether we have met yet or not don't forget that it's never too late and january 1st is a great opportunity to start pursuing your passion and do what you love each and every day and when you do always keep moving forward have a great week everybody have an awesome 2012 so until next time see ya hey Lou Jen Tremley from Bristol Connecticut just wanted to call in and say hello hope you had a wonderful holiday Um, I did just finished uh, listening to this week's show 254 uh, with the listeners questions and email Um, once again you and Becky uh, sounds like you had a great great time this week on the show and uh, you got through some great questions a lot of questions were a lot of good questions were answered, and um, I, I actually learned a couple of things this week that I didn't know. Um, I also was uh, very pleased to see that on one of your uh, blogs uh, that my suggestion uh, for what one of my favorite things to do in Disney was suggested and was picked for this week, um, which was to head to Epcot for Rope Drop and grab your Fast Passes for Soren and 
get on over and have a wonderful breakfast at Sunshine uh, Seasons Food Fair while you're waiting. So I was so thrilled to see my name, you know, in the blog that I had gotten, my suggestion had gotten picked for this week. So that was a, a thrill. Um, and I just wanted to say again, um, thanks for everything you do. You sent me back a quick email this week, and it was just such a pleasure to actually receive an email from you to take the time out of your day to drop me a line, even though we've never met. Um, and I'm, I'm just, I feel really a part of this WDW family, and I just, I, I love everything you do. So once again, keep up the great work. Um, I got a, a lot of great Disney Christmas gifts. Um, I was so happy with what I got. Um, and, uh, I just, I can't even describe it all. It was just awesome, awesome stuff. Um, some stuff was even snuck home with, from our last trip in September with me not even knowing. So, um, I was surprised, uh, to get those little mementos and, um, I got some really, really cool merchandise from the parks and I'm just, I'm just, you know, going to be decked out for 2012 in uh, Disney gear. But once again, thanks for everything. Hope everybody had a great holiday, and I will talk to you all soon. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Hi. Hello, Mr. Montello. This is Caitlin from New Jersey. I have an idea for a, a new Disney theme park. It would have all the Disney characters that have been forgotten, just like to have their own ride or attraction, just like an epic Mickey. You would even get to have your own little paintbrush and full of mysteries. If you look closely on each ride, you would find Oswald the Loki Rabbit. What do you think? That is my easy idea. Hi, Mr. Mangella. This is Carolyn from New Jersey. I had an idea that Disney should make their own world record books. It should have what was the hardest rides to build and the easiest, and which go fastest and which go slowest. Then they would also put the book who, who, who went on the most and who went released. Then they would design the cover and sell them. What do you think? Hi, Lou. This is Adam Jackson here in Denver, Colorado. My wife, Melina, called in almost, uh, I think it's about six weeks ago. Well, not to be out done, I wanted to give a shout-out to you and your group as well. Uh, first, thank you so much for your really wonderful podcast. As Melina mentioned when she called in, uh, we're both running the Walt Disney World Marathon. Uh, can't believe it's actually only a little over a week away. And I've regularly listened to your podcast now for the last year while I've been running, and it it just gives me great positive vibes and helps me relive a, a lot of past fun memories while I'm running. Um, second of all, speaking of the running, thank you also um, for the WDW Radio Running Team. Uh, we, uh, Melina and I joined up a little while ago, and it's uh, a real thrill to know that our running uh, is helping uh, such a great cause as Make-A-Wish. And also, um, Happy Keller has been fabulous and has answered our questions in email in amazingly prompt fashion. So he's been he's been really wonderful. Um, and we are both very excited to meet you and the entire uh, running team next week uh, at the bright and early time of 3.30 in the morning. It's funny, but after listening to your podcast while I've been running for the past year, uh, I actually feel like I kind of know you already, which is kind of strange, but uh, uh, I look forward to meeting you for real in person. So uh, take care, Lou. Thanks for all your great work. Happy New Year, and we'll see you in a week. You've got a friend in me. Yeah.